1: Yeah, it's a Tuesday. Thank you for waking up with us right here on The Fan. It's the Wake Up Call, broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. KB and Andy hanging out with you until 10 o'clock. Mark Dykedon along, producing today's effort. And it's funny, me and KB were talking, you know, what we want to do, what we want to accomplish this first segment. Snot was what was being talked about before (laughs) we went on the air. Children and their snot. So I always sit back and I listen to two KBs veterans, as I uh, embark on these battles myself over the next
2: <laughs> over the next few years. Good morning, fellas! Happy Tuesday! How's everyone doing? Today? Nothing says what you five children <laughs> combined under the age of six like a little mucus. <laughs> talk here. Little, little hey, how much talk. does your kids sneeze up when they sneeze? Oh, a lot. How about yours? Oh, a lot.
1: Well, Apparently, KB, you sent a text at 3 o'clock. You're up early well, today. Did you uh, yeah. go back
2: to bed? What happened with you? It, it was funny. Like Mark looks at me and goes, did Max have trouble sleeping last night? I'm thinking to myself, wow, I actually thought Max slept pretty good, but maybe Mark knows something that I don't know. <laughs> Maddie uh, texts right? me on the side. Yeah, I was uh, I was nervous for a split second there, and then I was like, oh wait, it was Rosie coughing at 3 a.m. that woke Uh-oh. me up, and I was responding to I fell asleep about the start of the fourth quarter of yeah. that Monday night game. You and everybody else. And uh, so I was responding to a Mark text from about 1030 there. So <laughs> yeah, quite the start to this uh, Tuesday morning. Good Tuesday morning to all of our listeners out there. Appreciate you guys tuning in. As we have had for each of the last two weeks, Rick Carlisle going to join us here at the start of the 8 o'clock hours, the Pacers. Get there, I think, relatively highly anticipated season underway tomorrow night. It'll be the Washington Wizards in town for um, the opener. And I believe Adam Silver uh, making an appearance as well with the NBA All-Star Game coming up. In February, Uh, we'll talk a little bit more Pacers at 9 o'clock as well. Tony East, we had some uh, Pacers news yesterday with Aaron Neesmith signing a three-year extension, so pencil him in or write him in in Sharpie in terms of building pieces around Tyrese Halliburton moving forward and obviously a lot of Colts stuff to get to. And One Game 7 completes, another Game 7 tonight for the first time since 2004 both Championship League series and Major League Baseball have gone seven games.
1: Isn't it a shame Houston wasn't able to win last night? Just such a, shame. a bummer. Just yeah. a bummer. And my and I know it's like you know it, it's obviously there. It, it's an easy commute. Everything's in Texas and everything else. But the amount of Texas Ranger fans there last night. My goodness, it was like the Chargers were playing or something like that. <laughs> it's like the Cowboys were in L.A. or something, or the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers there. Yeah, maybe a Steelers game or something like that. And then Monday Night Football, Footballing I mean, last night. I mean, who didn't have the fighting Kirk Cousins? Taking care of the San Francisco 49ers. Primetime Kirk, right? Yeah,
2: two bad games in a row for the Niners. Yeah, Ooh. Jordan Addison, uh, quite the night for him with Justin Jefferson on injured reserve. Uh, their high draft pick, Addison, just crazy game. Uh, he gets a target early in the game and uh, gets the ball kind of stolen from him. And it's a pick, uh, wasn't it? Was it a pick six? Let's start the game. I don't know. my mind, this is now my 3 a.m. brain. Yeah, th- this is your problem. Speaking Addison had here. the
1: big play where he just took the ball away from Warden right. and said, give that to me.
2: Let's and, go. And he got payback a little bit later in the game and getting the ball back. Again, a huge night for him. Brock Purdy threw a couple of picks there in the fourth quarter as they were trying to come back. And the Vikings at 3-4 and four now after their very disappointing start to the season. A 49ers' second loss of the year. The Vikings just want to draft 15th so bad. 14th, so bad. We just want to be somewhere in the middle of the first. Just screams 500. I, I, um, they really do. I was getting good God Manning cast last night. I, I was very happy. I wasn't sure if we were getting the Manning cast last night. And, um, I was very thrilled to see it. And I know Aaron Rodgers is an extremely polarizing figure. I could listen to Aaron Rodgers talk football for a long, long time. Like him with Peyton and Eli, mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed that and I again I don't want this to come off of any sort of you know I support everything that whatever Aaron <laughs> Rodgers says and does and we, football wise <laughs> man I, I I absolutely loved listening to that second quarter and just having those three guys uh, talk a lot of football talk quarterback play a variety of things I thought the Nick Bosa stuff was really interesting basically Andy one of the big topics they were talking about was Roger said when they played the 49ers back in his Green Bay Green Bay days, they had plays specifically for when Nick Bosa was off the field. So literally, they'd run, they'd watch him run off, and you know whatever he'd sit out two or three plays, and it'd be like 97's off the field, 97's off the field, and boom, a they'd, lot more freedom. They go to their play sheet and they dial that up, and it's kind of funny because now I'm trying to spin it back to the Colts, and you know Shane Steichen expressed some regret yesterday over how he handled the late first half. And he pointed out that on that second and 15 strip sack by Garrett, um, that was a double move that the Colts were trying to execute backed up on their own (laughs) goal line. And I'm thinking to myself, a second and 15 double move With Miles Garrett on the field, I would think that Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, and Eli Manning would say, no, 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 those are the play calls when Garrett is off the field. Right. Not when he is on the field, let alone. He's getting a breath. In the shadow of your own goal line. So I did really enjoy uh, those three chatting it up last night. Dude
3: th- stays on topic. He's uh, pretty engaging. Well, I was,
1: I was going to say, I, I don't mind hearing him talk about football. I think I don't want to hear him talk about anything other than football. Is that bad of me when I think of Aaron no. Rodgers? I Yeah, I just think, you know what? I'll just skip all the other commentary. Just give me football. It was funny last week how that story picked up uh, all sorts of heat, I guess. Didn't pick up a bunch of heat that, that, uh, that he was getting. You know, paid a lot of money to do his guest spots with Pat McAfee, which, by the way, isn't surprising whatsoever. You think Aaron Rodgers is doing a guest weekly spot without being paid? Similar to
2: us, right? <laughs> yeah. And how much money we pay yeah. our
1: guests. Yeah, I mean, the budgets are similar. The budgets are absolutely <laughs> similar. Um, well, you know, there's a couple things for me today... I want to get back into, as we go, the the Michael Pittman quote that we hit on kind of at the end of the show, later in the 9 o'clock hour yesterday, uh, Michael Pittman obviously has been nothing but fantastic with the Colts. He has said, or I guess you could say not said, uh, all the right things basically that you would want him to say. He's been a model teammate and he's been a damn good player on top of it. And this year, a, a contract year, KB, where he's been... Good yet again, and he has been under the unrest that has been the quarterback's uh, position here in Indy. So, I want to dive back into that. That is picking up a little bit of steam and kind of did so yesterday. So, I want to do that, and then I also want to focus on, uh, if we can, a couple different things. Um, You know, what can be cleaned up? And and, and when I say that, and I know Steichen even mentioned this yesterday, just the worry uh, to me, it's a big worry, Gardner Minshew. Turning the football over. I mean, this is a big, big worry because I believe Steichen is showing, is he not, that he's going to rely on his quarterback. I mean, he's going to rely on Minshew. When you talk about you're backed up on a second and fifteen, and you know Minshew's uh, buttocks, if you will, is is back up right on the end zone. Uh, I mean, he's calling plays where he didn't have that on the bingo Min- card. Minshew's snot buttocks. That's where we are at seven oh eight. But snots and butts. That should be the headline of the show. <laughs> It really should. That's the that's the title for Hour 1. But, you know, what can be cleaned up with this team now going forward? And then this is kind of a piggyback, and, and I don't know the answer to this. You know, yesterday, it's a reaction Monday, whether it's a win, whether it's a loss. Uh, you know, we've had wins around here where people have called in and, hey, this team can win the AFC South, and they're a playoff team and everything else, and praising Chris Ballard. And then we've had uh, a couple different shows where, and yesterday probably was one of them, KB, where there's just frustration uh, with the loss, and then it becomes you blame the refs, and we had a lot of that yesterday, and some stike and stuff. No doubt, you know, the 10 points at the end of the first half was completely unacceptable. But, like, I'm trying to get, and maybe you guys can help me, I'm just trying to get what, like, the temperament of the fan base is today. Uh, And, you know, now you're under five hundred. now you're looking up, uh, if you will, at you've lost the Jacksonville game where you've lost twice to them, uh, and you lost the Cleveland game on Sunday. In both of those games, are just so damaging to your kind of your playoff rise. It's good to be Baltimore, but Baltimore is going to be a much higher seed, you would imagine, in the playoffs. Kind of where everybody is. The moral victory card. Uh, what do we think can be cleaned up? Uh, is this a team that's just going to win enough games to draft in the middle? I, I you know I laugh at Minnesota or. The Colts, that as well. Um, I'm trying to figure exactly, you know, after back to back losses and after that heartbreaker, a couple plays changes everything within a season. And we see that with the Colts. So I wouldn't mind diving into that. And then Rick Carlisle at 8 o'clock, I mean, what can we ask him that we haven't asked him already? I mean, people are jacked up for this season and he's ready to go. I I mean, like, they're ready to go. Like, I'm ready to go. Jordan Poole should be in town here within hours. I'm ready
2: to go, baby. Yeah, Jordan Poole. I love Jordan Poole. Chuck it about 45 times tomorrow night. At least for 45 Wizards. times. I'll I believe take the, the over. The lowest over under of win totals in the NBA would be the Washington Wizards, the opponent for the Pacers tomorrow night. Um, and again, I think Pacers fans should be highly encouraged by this season. The amount of depth pieces that are on this roster. Um, you know, if Tyrese Halliburton can stay healthy, Andy, there's no doubt in my mind this is a team that shouldn't be a, you know, a top five or top six team in the Eastern Conference. And I know it's a, it's a little bit lofty when you compare that to, again, their kind of win-loss totals uh, around the Eastern Conference. But I think that should be a realistic goal and, and a necessary goal. You know, we, we've talked about it a lot with the Pacers here, and I was all aboard the rebuild. The rebuild needed to happen That era was stuck in mud. You were not getting anywhere. You had to break up the Turner-Sabonis duo. Um, And so finally, you know, you've gotten to the eve of the regular season. The question is, I wonder if the two bigs can work this year. Like, (laughs) thankfully, that is no longer a question. But now it's time to win. You know, you haven't won a playoff game in six years. You haven't won a playoff series in ten years. That is an eternity in professional sports, let alone in the NBA, Andy, where over half the league makes the playoffs. Right. Yeah, that's the problem. And and we're not used to that in this market. And so now I think um, it's not all chips into the middle of the table, but it's time for a core. Tyrese Halliburton has not won a whole lot in his NBA, or honestly, if you go back to college, I think he was talking about it the other day. He hasn't had a winning season since his freshman year at Iowa State. So you've got to get this core – accustomed to winning i don't think aaron neesmith did a lot of winning at vanderbilt you know like these guys have got to get used to that aspect and playing meaningful games in april in may so again looking forward to rick carlisle coming up um at eight o'clock I, i'd add one more thing on the colts front and you know certainly the michael Pittman audio um i think some interesting comments because again we aren't used to diva wide receivers in this town um, someone tweeted at me yesterday, aren't wide receivers inherently divas? I'm like, yeah, that's probably a true statement. Um, sorry. And I, do, I don't view him that way, by the way, at all. I do want to make sure that we get to that. Um, and I just posted something to the website, Andy, uh, one week from today is the NFL trade deadline. We saw the Titans get things started yesterday. For those maybe not as plugged into what Kevin Byard, their safety, uh, has meant to the Titans organization, they pretty much just traded away one of their best defenders in franchise history, and it was a clear new GM in a new place in Tennessee saying, yeah, about that. um, What's going to happen for the next week? Is Derrick Henry on the trade block? What else happens with Tennessee? And obviously then where do the Colts fall into this picture? How should they handle the next seven days trade deadline-wise? Um, we saw last year the Colts did a little bit of selling, but then in a way they also did a little bit of buying. I mean, Zach Moss and a fifth-round pick turned out to be a decent haul for Naheem Hines. Um, so I, I think it'll be very interesting to see how Chris Bauer operates here over the next week. The trade deadline has become a little bit more active. In the NFL, they pushed it back a few weeks. Again, they added a playoff team. So I think more teams kind of view themselves as hey, if we just add a guy or two, you know, maybe we can push forward. Um, How do you view the Colts in that limelight as uh, Halloween will be the trade deadline here in the NFL? for Yeah, for
1: people that don't know, the Eagles land, of course, a two-time all-pro safety. Yes, that's me being upset. Kevin Byard, uh, they trade away Terrell, what, Terrell uh, Edmonds in a fifth and a sixth round pick. Now, Byard is 30. He'll be 31 next year. Uh, his cap hit is nothing this year, so next year's base salary does go up quite a bit. 9.6 mil. His cap hit is a little bit over 14 mil, but this is an Eagles team that makes moves all the time. They bring in guys all the time and they're not afraid to do so. And the Tennessee Titans love helping them out wherever they can. Yeah, A.J. Brown worked out pretty well for them. Wherever
2: they can. DeAndre Swift was obviously a trade that they made in the offseason. Darius Slay. And I do think this is an avenue to where it's not as big as the draft. It's not as big as maybe March free agency. But this next week can't be ignored, I think, if you're Chris Ballard. And, and for me, Andy, it really boils down to a rather kind of simple point of view. I know it may be not be as simple as I, I will try to make it out, but in my opinion, I view the trade deadline as if you have guys on your roster in contract years that you don't think are part of the mm-hmm. future, 2024 and beyond, you need to look long and hard at moving them um, because – they could walk in free agency, and yeah, you can play the compensatory pick game, but you know that's a little bit deeper into future years. And you know, as I've said ever since Anthony Richardson got drafted in late April, I want to make sure that the help that you give Richardson comes as early as possible in his tenure to try and um, get answers, get clarity, and speed up that process as best that you can. I am Kevin Bowen. He is Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykston, of course, with us here in studio. Rick Carlisle, eight o'clock. Tony East at 9, supposed to be a really summer-like, I think, rest of the week here in Indianapolis. So certainly enjoy that as we close out the month of October. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.51075, The Fan. You guys want to know what hell I'm in right now? Look up at the TV right above
1: KB. Should the Giants start QB Tyrod Taylor in Week 8 versus the Jets? All right, let's move on to the, to the morning check down. Ugh, not the conversation you want with your team. Only if it's entry. That's why the Colts are okay. Uh, Vikings end Week 7 with a win in the NFL. 22-17 over the Niners. Christian McCaffrey did get into the end zone. Brock Purdy pretty average to a pick at the end of the game. Kirk Cousins was actually pretty damn good. 35-45, of 45, 300 and seventy-eight yards, couple touchdowns in the win there. Jordan Addison, the the rookie from Pitt slash USC, was fantastic for seven for one twenty-three. Now back-to-back losses by the Niners. We talked about seven being a lot of points yesterday, didn't we? Then we both think that Minnesota plus seven. Yeah, I just wanted to a, stay away. Was a that. lot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, well, I ended up staying away, and I should not have. I should have played this one. So the Vikings now three and four on the season. The Niners dropped to five and two.
2: The fireworks continue in Major League Baseball for how uh, lack of entertainment-filled the wild-card round was, divisional series round was. Uh, the Championship League series has li- lived up to it. Game sevens in both, and last night the Rangers punched their ticket to the World Series, 11-4 to over the Astros. Uh, you had all seven games won by the road team Ridiculous. in that series. Bruce Boshi becomes the first manager. Take three different teams to the World Series. Padres, Giants, and Rangers. So, America's favorite team, the Astros i um, kidding with that comment. Uh, they <laughs> bow out, and for the first time in seven years, we will not have Dodgers or Astros in the World Series. Uh, and then the NLCS tonight, it's going to be a Game 7. The Diamondbacks did what they had to do in Philadelphia. Who do you got tonight? Who do we have? 5-1, that is Arizona over Philly. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is kind of going to be a bit of a bullpen game, it sounds like, or at least not the marquee, which I don't know how marquee it was last night. Max Scherzer did his. Job Christian Javier didn't even get through the first inning, Uh, but it's going to be a A lot of hands on deck. Arms on deck, I should say. It's all hands on. It's not a lot. It's
1: all hands on deck, KB. That's what it is. I mean, Jordan Montgomery was pitching in, what, the third or fourth inning last night?
2: Yeah, he was. Uh, Javier got pulled early. Yeah, Scherzer did, I guess, better than Javier if you want to look at it from that standpoint. um, Boy, I'd like to think a little bit of a Cinderella for Arizona could continue, but I'm going to go with Philly in Game 7. Philly right now is minus 178 on the money line. Wow,
1: that's a heavy favorite for baseball. I mean, that's how I feel as well. The over-under right now is eight and a half. Eight and a half. Uh, regardless, game one will be n- uh, this Friday of the World Series.
3: I feel like I should have made that bet with Jake to be the longest, you know, surviving <laughs> baseball. How team about I've that? Ever. I know your diamondbacks. Yeah, his Orioles got the best record, but they've got bounced early, and my diamondbacks still still breathing life right now. He's not playing anymore. Uh no, I don't think so. Uh,
2: NBA season, get started tonight. You will have nothing like the Lakers being the other team in the ring ceremony game. Uh, it'll be the Lakers at the Nuggets it's tonight. Uh, that is a 7.30 tip for the defending champs in Denver. Uh, Jalen hood Shafino out. Uh, sounds like it's going to be at least a week here to start the season with a knee contusion. But are you faithful? You'll see Trace Jackson Davis oh, yeah. tonight. It'll be the Suns and Warriors. Don't I think Draymond Green oh, Dray- is available Draymond, Green Yeah, Draymond's
1: out, so you're going to see TJD, don't yes, you think? Maybe Jackson- a little Davis bit? should get some yeah. quality
2: minutes tonight. Again, it'll be the Suns and Warriors at 10 o'clock, Lakers and Nuggets at 7.30, uh, and then tomorrow... Will be the Pacers as Rick Carlisle joins us at eight o'clock to talk about opening night for the Pacers. Adam Silver will be in the building. They're going to have an all-star event over at the Bicentennial Plaza uh, tomorrow afternoon. Should be a gorgeous afternoon uh, for people to uh, experience that, and then obviously head inside a Gamebridge Fieldhouse for the season opener. <laughs>
1: Yeah, quickly, Pacers again. Rick Carlisle going to join us in about a half an hour. Aaron Neesmith, he gets uh, a three-year contract extension worth about 33 mil. He averaged about 10 points a game last year. I want your opinion on that, but quickly, uh, yesterday after it all happened, here's what Neesmith had to say.
0: Uh, it's a great feeling. You know, I'm happy to be here. I've, I wanted to be here, and so it's it's. Uh, I'm very happy for the opportunity to be here for the next four years. It's awesome. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, I, I'm a fan of this. Um, you know, Smith is a guy that I thought last year, Andy, he proved that he could be a versatile piece. He could help you out on both ends of the floor. Um, I, I kind of look at him, and I think glue guy, when you say that phrase, it creates kind of a low ceiling. I think he's a glue guy with a little bit of potential still in there. I mean, you look at the preseason. He actually had a couple nice scoring uh, outbursts for you. And if you're talking about bench pieces right now, I would look at him and Buddy Heald mm-hmm. as probably the first two guys coming off the bench for this team. And again, he is an important, versatile guy. So, you know, in the NBA, when you go a little bit smaller, could Aaron Neesmith log some minutes at the four? Sure, it's probably not where you want him, you know, exclusively, but uh, I am totally good with this. Uh, Twenty-four, Just turned 24. Um, you gotta have pieces growing with Tyrese Halliburton. He's not, you know, the number one, two, or three option. Nothing like that. Uh, but these are important guys that you want to keep around. and And MBA fin- finances, three years for thirty three million. That's nothing. With no options in there. Yeah. Totally fine with that.
1: And then on top of it, Obi Toppin, he does not get his rookie extension, which means he'll not be a restricted free agent next summer. I don't think that's a surprise. Emmanuel. Now in that draft class, right around these same guys, Emmanuel quickly didn't. Sadiq Bay did not. Patrick Williams with the with the Bulls did not. And Precious Achua, if you remember him coming out of Memphis, all those guys uh, did not get that rookie Obviously, extension. Obviously, Tyrese
2: got his back in the summer. Right. in that same draft class. Pacers have a lot of guys in that 2020 draft class. Um, yeah, for me with Toppin, I think both parties look at it as just, just prove it. No, you this know, is an you
1: absolute know. prove it. And,
2: and he gets a great opportunity being in the starting lineup. I do want to ask, you know, Rick Carlisle coming up at 8, and you know Tony East, we asked Rick a little bit last week about Jairus Walker. It does sound like right now, um, and it's early, Andrew Nemhard didn't play in the opening night last year due to Coach's decision. I don't think Jairus Walker will be in the rotation. I don't think Jordan Wara will be in the rotation. But I mean, when you look at this team, you're gonna have questions like that night in, night out, when everyone's healthy of you're gonna have a notable player or two not find their way into a nine, ten man rotation and we'll uh we'll see how that all plays out
3: tomorrow night. How about Giannis's extension with the Bucks too? That'll be a headache for the Pacers for years. Four yeah,
2: years I, a buck eighty six. I kind of look at it as, you know, good for the small markets, small ish markets. Yeah. Obviously the Damian Lillard deal certainly you know, got Giannis to say, okay, this makes a lot of sense for me and I'm going to continue to be here. But, yes, uh, that was the big NBA news item yesterday as we get things underway for the regular season starting later tonight. All right, on the other side, Michael Pittman Jr., unhappy with his lack of targets from Sunday. What did Shane Steichen have to say about that? Does Michael Pittman have a gripe on that? Uh, we'll explain more coming up on the other side. It's a wake-up Calls, KB and Andy on 93.5107.5, The The Fan. You know, KB, I was laughing at something. I was going to
1: bring this up during the checkdown, but we needed to move on to other things just quickly. And again, Rick Carlisle going to join us coming up here at the top of the hour. Uh, did you see that the Knicks want Joel Embiid? Have you seen this? I
2: have not, no. Okay,
1: so the Knicks, it's coming out now. The Philadelphia Inquirer, the beat reporter there, uh, is the first one I saw this morning to put this out there, that the Knicks would be basically be willing to offer R.J. Barrett, uh, Julius Randall, Mitchell Robinson, I think Evan Fournier, You know, I don't know if there's anything else there with contracts lining everything up, if there would be a pick or two involved, and I just smiled at that because that would be such a great, just a beautiful disaster of a trade for everybody. I mean, there's no way with the sensitivity that Julius Randall has that he's going to be able to go play in Philadelphia. He's already got the Knicks fans that hate him, so he'd have to go to Philly, and you know how that goes if you don't play Knicks well. Fans hate Randall. And, and I, I thought he was an all-star. Oh no, they don't. They they. Oh no, he's got into him. Uh, he's got into back and forth with fans the last couple years. It's very much a love hate relationship with there being a little bit more of a hate. And listen, I like Joel Embiid a lot. I, and you know, there's always a yeah, but here. But he just misses. I mean, you know, he's going to miss what 25 games a season if you're lucky. I mean, you go back uh, twenty nineteen 1851 games played 2020 51 2021 68 last year 66 uh to, to to just take away your entire team to go get Joel Embiid uh who by the way turns 30 next year who you know is gonna miss 25 games in a year to me I saw that this morning just looking at stuff and I smiled because it's such a it reminds me
2: of the Carmelo Anthony trade a number of years ago it's exactly what it does we uh we mentioned this yesterday in the nine o'clock hour shout out to Nate Atkins from the Star who had this uh, Michael Pittman's comments after the game on Sunday. Um, It was frustrating. I was frustrated, Pittman said. I was just trying to keep my composure to myself and not to project that onto anybody else. They just didn't target me today for whatever reason. Maybe I'm not a big Part of the offense. Pittman added this When I do get the ball, I feel like I always do something with it. Just know that I'm viable to break off a big one in any situation versus any team. I'm just trying to show the coaches that I'm out there too. Um, Certainly some eyebrow raising comments from Michael Pittman after uh, Sunday's loss. Five targets for him, two catches in the game. Obviously, those are pretty small numbers, Uh, to be fair. um, I, I I heard those comments and after thinking about it for a few minutes, Andy, I've kind of just chalked them up to that is a highly, highly competitive individual, extremely frustrated about a loss. And if he really probably looked at the big picture of it, I don't know if he'd say those comments again. And and we'll find out. He'll have a chance, you know, Wednesday or Thursday, whenever he meets the media to, you know, re- reframe his comments if he would like. Um, but the Colts scored 38 points. The Colts threw for 450 yards. To me, you don't make those comments after a game in which your offense puts up that amount of production against that Browns defense. Again, I'll give Pittman the benefit of the doubt because I don't think he's really ever gone down this path before. But I do think it's worth pointing out, in a contract year, Andy... Is this more of the Pittman tone? Are we going to see more of this from him? Because we had Nate on, uh, I guess it would have been a week ago, Tuesday, right? Uh, because Pittman was outspoken about Jonathan Taylor's contract situation. And, you know, that's how players should handle things. And, again, I wanted to say to Pittman, you don't have the resume that Jonathan Taylor had after three years. Yeah, but years. he's not being told that. Uh, You're right,
1: but he's not being told
2: that by, right. by his agent. And he obviously plays a position where the market <laughs> is going to look very fruitful uh, if and when he does hit free agency coming up in March. So, well, I guess, what did you make? I, I do want to play the Shane second audio here in just a second, but what did you make of Pittman's comments uh, following the loss to Man, the Browns?
1: I, I, Man, I'm, I'm very conflicted because yesterday I was pretty strong with, I don't like it. I, I, I was, you know, besides the loss on Sunday, I kind of came away from it thinking, okay, I mean, Michael Pittman is one of the more solid players. Like, that's a way to to describe him, right? Is this a solid as hell football player? I mean, you always say there's not a lot of diva in that USC wide receiver, and I think that's the way to say it because he has been a tough player here. I, I am going to I'm a little bit with you. I'm chalking this up to he was frustrated after the loss on Sunday, but it's fair, given that his recent comments and given that he just saw Jonathan Taylor throw a very public fit that there has to be a part of Michael Pittman that says in the day and age of uh, of player empowerment, KB, this is the way you gotta play things. You gotta be an AH. Now, do you have to go full JT? Do you have to go full player empowerment that we have seen with a guy like James Harden. Oh, I don't think that's the case, but the thought process of we got to play things nice. I I mean, it's it's clear that players and agents understand that that's not going to be the way this goes. To me, it sets up an interesting offseason if they immediately can't agree on a contract or if the uh, if the franchise tag becomes something, the last thing I would say on this to back Pittman and listen, I think that Pittman. Was simply frustrated because none of the data supports anything that he said on Sunday, and I see him as a as a pretty smart dude and a pretty good teammate, and so I don't see him as a guy that would cause a stink. Because, in KB, we talked about this last week. I mean, just last week, he is in a contract year where there's a great chance he's putting up absolutely career numbers. I mean, whether you go to targets and receptions and touchdowns and yards, it may not happen okay but this is also the first game this in the Rams game the Rams game was obviously to me an outlier uh, that he hasn't got a ton of targets but the two games before this one Jacksonville and Tennessee 21 targets each and I guess the only other thing I would say and this is a this is a small part of me because he was being selfish after the game I'm fine with someone being pissed off that they lost yeah and, and like I'm fine with it because that's what I'm searching for for with this team, and, and not so the players and fans and everything else, like like that was a game that you very well should have won. We talked all week about the great Browns defense. I mean, Deshaun Watson and PJ Walker both combined. I don't care who you put in the game; they both stunk it up. And that was a chance where that's a game you win. That's a game you win uh, to keep yourself kind of afloat for the playoffs and the feel good and stopping the bleeding uh, and everything else. So that's like the other side of. That that you know, I'm happy. I'm happy that someone sounds at least a little pissed off, saying, "Hey, I know how we can win some games,
2: giving me the damn ball." Here was Shane Steichen yesterday in reaction to Michael Pittman's comments. Well, I think you know Pittman is a you know huge part of this offense, and he's a, the ultimate competitor.
1: Uh, and I think when really good players, you know, they want the ball uh, and they express their feelings sometimes, and that's part of
3: this league. And uh, we, we're going to do everything in our power to continue to get him the football moving forward. Yeah,
2: I thought Shane handled that well. Um, I, I will chalk this up to Michael Pittman's highly, highly competitive nature. And, and I, and I don't think this is going to be the norm. But I do think, Andy, I would be naive just to say based off his comments about Jonathan Taylor a few weeks ago and these comments. I do think it's something worth. Mo- Monitoring moving forward. It's 100% worth Guys monitoring. in contract years 100%. act differently. Yep. Do we need to remind anybody of how Jonathan Taylor just acted over the last, you know, handful of months? So I do think it's worth monitoring. But I, I, I go back to when T.Y. Hilton, I thought, had his one real diva moment in his career. And that was after the Colts got shut out by the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017. Jacoby Brissett was sacked 10 times in the game, 27 to nothing. And that was T.Y. You know, saying, and I'm paraphrasing here, of it's hard to get the ball when we don't protect, and that was a shot. Obviously, at the offensive line and the ten sacks, and you know what? That was a pissed off player after his team got shut out. A pissed off player after his team scored thirty eight. I mean, yes, they lost, and I'm fine with having that anger, but I don't know. Maybe channel it in a little bit of a different comment than your frustration over the lack of targets. And if we want to get nitpicky. Did Michael Pittman not have a critical drop in that game over the middle? I mean, dropped a touchdown. He dropped a touchdown. That would have been a tough grab, but that could have been a big play in that game where you you were looking for somebody to kind of rise to the occasion and say, "I'm going to take this game and not have the back and forth nature." It's bad timing to it. Uh, Pittman is ninth in the league, by the way, in targets. So I don't think that has been an issue for him. And, And yes, again, wide receivers they are inherently have this aura, if you will, to them. And they probably do need to have some of that quote-unquote dog in them. Um, You know, Preston was texting me a little bit earlier about the Devontae Adams comments. We brought this up in the 9 o'clock hour yesterday. For those that missed Adams last week, he expressed frustration over not being targeted and not getting the ball. I thought Adams personally handled it very well in his explanation of it. He basically said, I feel like the Raiders' offense is at its best when I'm getting heavily targeted and I'm the one kind of being the lead weapon for this unit. The Raiders' offense hasn't moved the ball all year long. (laughs) Devontae Adams is right. Where Michael Pittman is wrong yesterday is the Colt, or Sunday, I mean the Colts scored 38 points. It's terrible timing. So that's where it just does not add up. I'm good with a little frustration, a little venom after a loss, but... I think in that way, especially when you're the one that had a 50-50 opportunity to make a big play, obviously he had the 75-yard touchdown, but he could have made another big play, Um, that's where I don't agree with Pittman's comments. Having said that, I'm going to chalk it up as just a little bit out of character for him and, you know... I guess hopefully for the Colts' sake, it won't be the norm.
1: Yeah, when he speaks later this week, I'm interested if he walks back any of that. Says basically it's frustration. Let me ask you, what do you think they do? What do you? What should they do with Michael Pittman? Because
2: I gotta be honest, I don't know what the answer is with Michael Pittman. Yeah, I am team resign, but in no way, shape, or form does that mean that all of a sudden you ignore wide receiver. You, in the next 18 to 24 months, you need to make a massive splash at wideout. You need to do what A.J. Brown did for Philadelphia. You need to do what Stephon Diggs did for Buffalo. And, And that's why I look at the trade deadline in a week, and I almost view it in a little bit more of, can you accumulate something that all of a sudden that piece is Involved in the trade package that goes and gets that wide out because I think you're gonna have to trade for it. I, I don't think so you're, you're not a draft to... guy, well, that was I, I gonna just, be my follow up then. To me, it is a big hope in the draft. Well, sure it I is. mean, sure, sure. I, you know, that and it takes time. It takes time. Wide outs, obviously, these future drafts will continue to you know, you think be deep at wideout out considering how past happy college football is. But I just look at what Diggs did for Allen, what Brown did for Hurts. I mean, hell, what Tyreek Hill is doing mm-hmm. for Tua. I mean, those are the types of trades that you have to try and do. It's going to cost a whole lot. And it's going to have probably a lot of scrutiny behind it. And even the Pittman contract will have scrutiny behind it. But I want to make sure I don't take shortcuts with Anthony Richardson. I don't skimp on receiver. And Andy, right now, I don't look at this tight end group and think that that's making me sleep very um, well at I, night. I mean, it's it's not a. It, listen, it is what it is. It would they, be they, one thing if you had a Kittle or you had sure. a Kelsey in that tight end room that all of a sudden you could say, well, you know, we can let Tyreek go. Or, you know, Debo and Kittle, that works. The Colts don't have that. So, uh, in my opinion, in the next, again, 18 to 24 months, you need to make a blockbuster trade for a whiteout to help Anthony Richardson. These guys don't show up in free agency, and I think the draft, it's just too, I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know hate it. obviously a drafting of a whiteout by any means, but there's just some risk involved. Uh, an established whiteout in this league. It'll be expensive. It'll be costly. But to me, that's the risk that you need to take in order to support your young QB.
1: Here's what worries me about the entire Michael Pittman just situation. I, with Jonathan Taylor, there were two knowns with this entire conversation, KB. Known number one. There were two items. Item number one, I should say, was the running back money that is now given We kind of know where it's at. And even though, you know, he got three for 42, and that's a very lucrative deal with running backs, you know, ever since I took this job, you have been screaming and yelling about three for 39, right? So it's not like. The contract itself was kind of something that would be a battle cry. Like Colts, Colts fans got their guy in Jonathan Taylor, and I haven't heard anyone complain that it's well, it's too much money, right? Okay, you got Jonathan Taylor. You like that you got him. You got him for three years. There's some protection after a couple years that you guys can split ways, and you're not paying a guy who's going to be well into his thirties. And I think there is there's a lot of good there that people see the Jonathan Taylor contract, and they're not whining and crying about how much he's going to be paid. The second thing that we knew with Jonathan Taylor was what? That he was one of the best players at his position neither one of those is true for Michael Pittman. I mean, they could sign Michael Pittman and it could be overpaying Michael Pittman, who's a two, right? You could be paying Pittman, who's a two, number one wide receiver money, uh, and there's no there's no like cap on wide receivers like there seems to be with running backs. And this goes back to the conversation that you had five minutes ago, is that Pittman, while very good, doesn't have the resume that Jonathan Taylor had. So when Taylor got paid, there was no, I haven't heard anyone around here that's done any weeping and ashing of teeth about about the size of his contract. That could happen with Pittman because while he's very good,
2: he's not tier one. We understand that Jonathan Taylor is tier one at his position. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. This tweet from uh, Carmel John I find interesting. He goes, it's about time Pitt started acting like a star. He should demand the ball. There's nothing wrong with what he said. Again, I don't have too big of an issue with what he said. Uh, coming after 38 points and 450 yards, it's a little head scratching. And if you want to act like a star, how about catching the 50 50 ball over the middle when you have a great chance to make a play? That, to me, actions speak louder than words. In words, after that offensive performance, to me, it's just, you know, again, I'm not like overreacting to it. Um, I just think the timing of it was a little odd. It, it comes after a loss. He's clearly frustrated. That's fine. Um, I, I just feel like if you're, you know, a, 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 I'm trying to think of, I mean, the Colts really haven't had any outright just awful offensive efforts this season. Um, I think they're the only team in the league to have scored 20 points in every game. They are. That's a stat. That's this absolutely year. a stat. And, and it's certainly all on Shane Steichen for, for that. But um, to me, you had some opportunities to act like one on the field. And the post game locker room, when your offense had just put up big numbers and Josh Downs had had a huge day and Alec Pierce had had his best day of the year and Jonathan Taylor looked like his old self. There were reasons why you weren't as targeted. And he still had five targets. I mean, it's not like he had zero targets. Five targets is not like an awful number. It's not the nine or ten that he has been getting on more of a frequent basis. But I am curious just how Pittman is going to react a little bit more now moving forward here. I bet he pulls it back a little bit, don't you? And we'll see how he reacts Um, later in the week. Shane Steichen yesterday, um, no update on Juju Brents. The early sign, I think, is Brents is going to miss some time. Um, That would be very unfortunate, Andy, not only in the short term but the long term. This is a guy that's obviously battled injuries, a lot of them, here in his rookie season, so we'll continue to monitor that one. Uh, Basically, if you're curious about how Shane thought of the officiating, Um, he had the phrase he repeated a couple of times, they were tough calls. (laughs) I think in Shane Steichen lingo, Andy, that means they were bull. (laughs) How much would he get fined if he said they were bad calls? Was it 10 grand? Sometimes you have to decipher what the lingo is. I would think (laughs) they were tough calls means I would like to cuss here, but. I'm not going to. Well, go ahead and cuss. What are you doing? Let's go. Let's go, Stike. Let's get some of that profanity out there. I've got a dump button I can use. (laughs) (laughs) I I would have loved him to be a little bit more candid in that moment there. So uh, that was pretty much what he had to say yesterday. Again, expressed some regret over how he handled the end of the first half there, um, which is certainly something that I had an issue with from him on Sunday.
1: You know the Saints are going to come here in here throwing the football. Like, that's did the I one? see Chris that's Olave got arrested know.
2: last night? Oh, did he? Yes. Oh, I did not see that. For speeding, uh, reckless driving. Oh, Was it man. 70 and a 35? Whoa. 75 and a 35? Something so he's like going that?
1: 75 basically in a neighborhood then. Right? I mean, if it's 35 miles per hour or something like that, Wow. Yeah, reckless operation of a motor vehicle. I'm seeing that now. I did not see that this morning.
2: Yeah, that was, uh, I think, late last night. Chris Olave, who um, your targets for him will be something to keep an uh, eye on. I know New too. Orleans has uh, tried to get him a little bit more involved, but Alvin Kamara back in the lineup. It, it's 70-30, by the way. It is surprising how that New Orleans offense has been so bad when you consider Kamara, and I know he was out for the first few games, Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas, and Chris Olave. I mean that's that's a pretty good trio for Derek Carr, and yet they have not been able to do anything. Of substance, I thought I saw early uh, Colts are, are a little bit of an early favorite.
1: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I can look it up on DraftKings. I thought they were a two. Was it a two point favorite that we had yesterday? For some reason, that that number is coming to mind. Uh, da, 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 da. Hang on just a second. Let me a find minus it. one. Okay, for so the Colts. one point favorite. Yeah, I mean that's another one of those. The Colts have been in so many of these games. If you like the Colts, the money is there to go ahead and just take them. Uh, but you know, I mean, I'm looking at. By the way, I'm looking at wide receivers. This free agent class is not a great free agent class of wide receivers. So you got what?
2: Mike Evans, T. Higgins, yeah, I mean, those, Calvin Ridley?
1: Those are those are the big ones, right? I, I don't know. Do, are those guys doing too much for you? I, I mean, they're, they're not, not doing they're not enough. One. They're
2: not They're not doing enough. Yeah, and T- again, T. Higgins is Michael Pittman. These guys don't grow on trees, but you know what? Stephon Diggs and A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill, they all ended up being available. And if you're willing to push enough of those chips in – one of these guys will be... A va- what do the Minnesota Vikings and Jordan Jefferson look like in the next 18 to 24 months? Yeah, uh, Jordan Jefferson, Justin Jefferson. Just you know, throwing out those names of a wideout on a team that you just are kind of unsure about exactly what the future holds, or maybe they get into a situation where they're paying whatever, too many other guys. Um, I think you have to do something very substantial at that position. Um that would be kind of my thought process. And at the same time, again, I, I think retaining Michael Pittman makes some sense for that as well. All maybe, right, another Maybe Chris
3: Olave left the Kenner Fairgrounds OTB and Casino. That's right on the boulevard <laughs> that he got pulled over at. Maybe I know exactly where, where that's at. He's uh, getting a little... Yeah. gambling
1: itch action. Well, I just love that he's at an OTB I, I mean, mean after
2: the mini bye week hard to blame yeah,
1: him right there is that that's not like a lavish place like when OTB is in the name of your facility there's a guy in sweatpants who's who has a rolled up program that's that's kind of uh, hitting the program against his own buttocks area side area because he believes he's riding the horse oh, yeah. and he's the jockey that can get the horse across the the timeline if you will that is a degenerate that is a that is a that is a man who might
3: lose everything that's you america, mm-hmm. that, <laughs> is america. Either right that is america see the or he's leaving the sweet island ice cream and candy <laughs> shop i can't imagine that's open late
2: rick carlisle joins <laughs> us next
1: yeah, yeah, 8 o'clock hour. Hanging on the drive. Huber.com studios, it is the wake-up call. KB and Andy, he's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Tons going on tonight. NLCS Game 7. We'll catch that baby in progress at 9 o'clock right here on the fan. We'll have every World Series game as well right here on the fan. And obviously, uh, it's coming. Pacers and Wizards. Pacers season underway beginning tomorrow night. The NBA does have a doubleheader tonight uh, to get things popping. But again, Pacers, Wizards our pregame coverage beginning here on the fan at 6:30, and the head coach of the pacers nice enough to join us yet again this week rick carlisle joins us on the pay less liquors hotline coach good morning how are you I'm well. How you guys doing? Uh, we are absolutely fantastic. I, I know it's just a, it's a completely corny question to to begin things, but uh, we've talked the last few weeks, and we could sense the excitement with the fans, and obviously yourself, the team as well. But uh, it's the e from you guys welcoming the wizards in and getting things popping. Uh, I would imagine excitement, anxiety, everything. How you feeling this morning? I feel good. <laughs> you feel you feel yeah, good? Was, Knowing we're, we're, yeah, we're excitement, like, we're, anxiety, we're nothing?
0: Get, we're nah, we're yeah, we're look this time of year if if you don't have uh if you don't have a little nerves or whatever, um, you know, you're just you're not ready. And so uh yeah, there's a lot going on and um with the season starting tonight with a couple of games tonight and then you know, really a full slate tomorrow night I'm assuming. Um you know, NBA basketball is uh, is here, and uh, you know we have a we have a we have a really challenging game tomorrow night with Washington coming in because there's a lot of unknowns um, with the the team that they've kind of reconstructed. But the one thing we do know is that they can really score and they can really shoot threes, and so this will be a great defensive test for us. Um, Right off the bat, you know, Pool had uh, Jordan Poole had forty some points in twenty some minutes a few nights ago against New York, and um, and, and Kuzma has always played well and shot it well in our building, and uh, you know they got a lot of other guys that put the ball in the basket, so uh, so we'll have our hands full.
2: Coach, I want to go back to yesterday's uh, news item, if you don't mind, that'd be Aaron E. Smith signing an extension. With you guys, what did you know about Aaron Neesmith before the trade, and what have you learned about him since coaching him?
0: Well, I forget exactly which year it was that he came out, but we we looked at him very closely in the draft in Dallas, and you know the irony about it was that um, in the draft he was he was. Kind of slated as a player that was a shooter, um, but supposedly his defensive metrics weren't very good. And so, you know, the way that the way our draft shake shook out, we we didn't. Uh, he got taken ahead of us, I believe, and we just didn't have a chance to get him. And so. Watched for a couple of years. He didn't play much in Boston. And then we did the deal with Boston, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever it was. Uh, we, we had seen glimpses of, of Aaron. Um, and, you know, I, I'd studied him on college film some. Um, he'd gotten a lot stronger since college. Um, but he just wasn't getting much in the way of reps with uh, with how loaded their team was. And so, so we ended up with him. And... You know, for us, he was one of our most versatile players. He was one of our best defensive players. And, um, you know, he was a shooter in college. Now, where he had to adjust his game when he came over to us was um, in college, he had been a featured guy, and Jerry Stackhouse was his coach at Vanderbilt, and they ran ran a lot of set offensive plays for him, and he was great at coming off – actions that were set up for him to, to knock in shots, well, we play a much more fast-paced, random style, so he had to adjust to the our random, uh, fast-paced style of play, and that took a little bit, but once he adjusted, um, you know, he had a tremendous year for us last year. He ended up being our starter, um, you know, I, I guess I would say most of the year, and so... Now we just feel feel like he's um, a real key part of the next four years, including this year, and uh, just thrilled to have him back in the fold because he's a he's an amazing kid too, and he's got a great family. And so, uh, yesterday was a really happy day. I don't know if you guys saw it on social, but you know when he was signing his contract, um, yeah, that's a cool video. Yeah, ca- all the players gathered. You know, down below on the court, and you know Lloyd Pierce started ringing the bell, and <laughs> it was really a, a pretty joyous moment. So uh, it was really, it was really awesome.
2: Yeah, I encourage people to check that out. Pacer socials, uh, pretty cool video there, and seeing their reaction to Aaron Neesmith putting pen to paper on that three-year extension. Uh, coach, on, on the eve of the season starting, maybe what's your biggest unknown about this year's team, or maybe the thing you're most curious about?
0: Well. There are a few unknowns. You know exactly how um, the rotation is going to shake out is 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 not all there. You know, I certainly have some ideas about what what I believe could work well for us. But um, this is a very deep roster uh, with a lot of guys that um, are not only capable players, but are players that that you know within their within their own skill sets. do some pretty special things so um you know it's going to take some time to see exactly how this thing looks um you know if you follow the cold season you know that you know health is always going to be a decider mother nature is always going to be a decider of of things as you move forward and you know if you if you lose guys for a period of time for whatever reason guys got to be ready um from that standpoint, I, I feel like we're pretty well covered, um, but we're going to need to have a high level of professionalism to, you know, absorb those challenges. Because uh, you know, being out of the rotation or not playing a whole lot, um, and just being ready when called upon is is uh, is a challenging task.
1: Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors hotline. I mean, looking at the Wizards, you mentioned Joram Poole, you mentioned Kuzma always seems to shoot well uh, here in Indianapolis. What kind of team do they have? And I and I guess kind of to add on to that, we'll be watching your defense. That's been such a preseason narrative. What should fans be looking for to see an improved defense from you tomorrow night? You know, simply besides field goal percentage or points or something like that.
0: Well, fouling has been Problem in um, in you know, a, a big problem in the first three games. Uh, we did a much better job a few nights ago against Cleveland in our uh, final preseason game. And so, you know, we've got to defend without fouling. Um, we've got to do that. We've got to rebound the ball, and we've got to limit turnovers. You know, the other night against Cleveland, we had 26 turnovers. You know, which is you know just a preposterous number. I don't expect to see that. Very often, um, but this is possession of the ball, and um, you know we we ended up winning the game largely because we rebounded well and, and we did a pre a pretty good job defensively. And look, well, of course, that game uh, goes to quarters, and then they pulled their starters, and we pulled ours. So, you know, it was a tie game after three quarters, and uh, you know all that stuff is pretty meaningless. You know, once you get to uh, the night before the regular season, but in Washington's case uh, getting back to your question you know it's a it's a team that uh, is is predicted to be a total rebuild um, probably I, I you know if they aren't predicted to have the, the least number of wins in the league they're 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 down there or up there depending on how you want to look at it um, but from what I've seen you know I mentioned uh, you know Jordan Poole he had 41 points in 26 minutes against New York, who's a good defensive team a few nights ago. Uh, Muscala, Mike Muscala, a guy you don't hear much about off the bench. Um, I saw him in the West a lot. Um, Made five threes in the first half as a a backup center for them against New York. Talked about Kuzma. and then I I saw an article that, that popped up yesterday online and the guy was making bold predictions and one of his number <laughs> 3 on his list of bold predictions Uh-oh. was that it was that Jordan Poole could could be, could be the guy this year that has the highest individual point game of the season and that he could go for as many as 70 points. <laughs> and so look this is stuff that you know <laughs> you see it and, and it, you know you just you just realize um the NBA has become a place where every team uh, has potent weapons, um, and so we're going to have to be ready.
2: Again, Rick Carlisle is with us here. Pacers season opening up tomorrow night with the Wizards. Of course, our coverage will begin right here on the fan at 6.30. Um, Coach, I thought Dustin DiPiarek from the Indian Apple Star wrote a beautiful feature on Tyrese Halliburton, and it really focused kind of around the joy that he brings uh, to the floor, and I think to your locker room as well. How would you describe that aspect of Tyrese? We obviously see the shooting, we see the ability to facilitate and get others involved, but what is it about that joy that he brings as well?
0: Well, the three words that always that I always come back to with Tyrese are competitive, charismatic, and caring. You know, he it's one thing to be to have a big positive personality as a basketball player on the floor. Um, and people, you know, people can, can they, can they can wrap their hands and heads around that, you know, all day long. But this kid has another element, an additional element that he really cares about people. He really cares. In in, in his case right now, as we have this conversation, um, he's demonstrated that he really cares for his teammates. He has completely embraced the community here um he's done a whole lot of stuff in the community and a lot of things that he's done in the community have have, have gone um unannounced you know so um and the competitiveness aspect of it you know uh, he wears that on his sleeve i mean the guy loves to compete um and you know usa basketball recognized that and they uh they sought him out to be on their team this year. He was one of the bright spots on that team. And so, uh, you know, those are the things that, 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 immediately come to mind. Coach, if you had to
2: point out a player or two that, um, impressed you the most this preseason, this training camp, who would
4: those be?
0: Well, you know, uh, Ben Shepard has gotten a lot of attention because, you know, he, he's gone in and and, uh, and done some very positive things. He, he plays a style of, of game that um, is pretty joyous when you watch it. I mean, the guy is one of the fastest guys running the floor I've ever seen. He's athletic. He, you know, he he's just figured a lot of things out. Now, this is a kid that, Played four years at Belmont in a great program, and so you know, being 23 years old instead of 19 or 20 um, does make a difference there. But you know, he's shown that he's ready to he's ready to play if called upon. Um, you know, I really like Jaris Walker a lot. Um, he has some very unique skills as a as a guy that plays the four position. You know, he he played a year of point guard at IMG. Uh, when they had one of their players get hurt during during a season one time. So he has point guard skills. He sees the floor like a point guard. Um, and, you know, his shooting, he had a great ga- uh, game shooting the ball at Memphis. And um, he's shown that he can do a lot of special things on the floor. Now, right now, what he needs to do is, is keep working on um, on some of the basic things to kind of simplify his game short term, because um, I think the thing that's challenging for young players coming in, into the NBA is that you know to to be someone that's ready to play, you have to establish you know a, a definable game that um, where you can where you can go in and and your team knows exactly what they're going to get. What we need from him is the reason we drafted him. We need defense and rebounding. And um, he's going to make his share of shots, and he's going to make his share of plays. But uh, I don't know how much he'll play right off the bat, but he's an exciting talent, and uh, we will be working hard with him, and, and I think he's a great player for our future.
1: Rick Carlisle with us. Last basketball one for me. You know, I was reading, and I'm interested. I love when I love you admitting you were reading a bold prediction that someone was making <laughs> before the season started. So ESPN.com kind of had one of those, and their bold prediction for your team uh, was was going to be the Halliburton won the regular season assist tit- uh, title. So just so you know that that was a bold prediction uh, that is out there. But I want to ask about your you know your backcourt with uh, with Tyrese. There, you bring Matherin and. Matherin Matherin's going to get a lot of those starting moments, so those guys are going to be playing a lot uh, more together. Matherin last year coming off the bench, he played uh, over a 1,000 minutes actually with T.J. McConnell. Uh, so when he now starting lineup, or at least playing more with Tyrese, uh, how do you think, I don't know, how do you think that will go? How, how much of a change do you think that will be for him uh, being in the game earlier and being in the game with maybe some different guys there in the backcourt?
0: Oh. You know, all players players want to start, you know. Um, And the thing that they realize when they get put into that position, whether it's, you know, the end of the season last year or uh, presumably, you know, to start the season this year, is that there's an amazing responsibility that comes with starting. You know, you have to be – you're a standard bearer for – your entire team at your position you know you you have a responsibility offensively to you know generate good plays to create good shots for the team and defensively um you know you're you're gonna have a matchup you're gonna have to deal with and you're gonna have to play within a system and so you know as 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 Ben became a starter at the end of, of last season um you know, it, it was pretty clear it was a different kind of thing. And then, of course, the other thing that is an obvious thing that I just neglected to mention is you're playing against better players to start the game. And so these are all challenging things. Um, this is a kid, however, that, um, you know, really, if you if you look at his life and all the things that he's gone through um, – He's kind of he's kind of based his life on taking on any challenge that comes his way, and so uh, he's a relentless worker. He loves the game. He continually pushes the coaches to push him, which is you know very rare mm-hmm. in today's day and age with 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 the generation that's coming into the um, league now and. He showed in the last game against Cleveland, uh, last game of preseason, that you know defensively he has taken some positive steps. Now he's going to have to sustain, you know, um, to, to, to take on the responsibility of, of being uh, one of the starting players. But uh, you know, this is a moment that uh, that he's relished, and uh, and I think and I see good things. and, and when you with when, when you play with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, your chances for success are greatly increased. And by the way, I don't, I don't see the prediction of Tyreek being the number one assistant guy. Very bold, bold prediction.
1: No, no, it's not. No, it's not at all. By the way, when does, when does, uh, when does Obi Toppin have the OK to go between his legs on a dunk during the regular season? Does he have it? Does he have the green light at any point?
0: <laughs> yeah, I've given in all that stuff. I mean, that, that's just. Man, that's just the world we're living in, and uh, I don't know. You know, he, he's um, he's another guy that you know. You talk about uh, relishing an opportunity to play with Tyrese, man. I mean, uh, he 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 he's another guy that since coming here has just shown like tremendous just overall gratitude to the basketball gods, um, you know, much the same way that Aaron Neesmith has too. So I'm just, I'm really excited about the environment that that we've put together here um, for young players to develop. And, you know, we need to take this group from, from here to, you know, higher levels of, of competitive responsibility. And, you know, we need to win some more games.
2: Coach, uh, I heard that you might have a birthday coming up later this week. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I try to forget about the, those things. You know, these these years. Uh, but. Yeah, I suppose. Hey, did you get the picture I sent you, by the way? I I, I did. Yeah,
2: I did. Um, Coach Carlisle sent me a picture here of Jake in front of. And uh, <laughs> feel free to fill in. That is obviously one of the iconic spots uh, on UVA's campus. I assume.
0: Yeah. Well, he texted me the other night, and uh, I think it was I think it was Saturday. And he said, "Hey, uh, my buddy and I." Um, do this thing every year where we just get in the car and drive someplace and and uh he goes we 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 did annapolis during the day today and now we're driving to charlottesville is there a place in charlottesville that's like like the place to go like eat have, have dinner hang out whatever and i said uh i said probably the virginian the virginian is a bar restaurant that's right right on the corner and uh that's like right in the heart of it. it's right across the street from grounds you know it's, it's right near the lawn and the rotunda and so so he and his friend he and his friend went to the virginia it was packed and so they went a couple of doors down to boylan heights uh which is another more modern hangout there and uh reported that the beer was cold the burger was good and that they, it's yeah, all the matters they were the only they were the only two people uh over over the age of 25 there <laughs> and believe it or not i think my daughter may have been at boylan heights no, night, geez. Watch, oh, watch, man. watching the u watching the unc game <laughs> and and if you and if you uh if you guys hadn't reported that uh on your show uh Virginia had a stunning upset at at North Carolina in football. They did. And, How uh, about that? Uh, they did. That, that was that was that was a huge upset. And huge. So, uh, I said uh, I said hey. You know, after the fact, I said, you know, where'd you guys end up going? Did you get, did you watch the the end of the the Virginia um, UNC? football upset if you did that and sat in the virginian that's like you know you that's the best of charlottesville and then they explained they went down to Boylan heights but anyway that the, the the picture that he sent me is the one i sent you and i don't right. know if you guys can post post that or not <laughs> but that's that's jake and an unidentified friend um standing next to the statue of thomas jefferson in front of the rotunda um at the university of virginia and uh so that's that. Yeah.
2: It, it's a great pick. Mike Byron is Jake's friend. He's rocking an IU jacket in this picture. I'm <laughs> of course he sure. is. Let me see the picture, KB. Rick Carlisle can bring up oh, you know yeah. a certain Elite yeah. Eight <laughs> game maybe back in the day um, as the IU gear is being donned on UVA's campus. I I we won't sing Happy Birthday to you, Coach, because I just feel a voice Ugh. crack coming and I don't want to yeah, embarrass. No, you don't want. You don't want to do that. Myself or you. But I will ask this in closing. What was the greatest birthday present that Rick Carlisle has ever received? We could go back to Ooh. childhood. We could go recent. What's the greatest birthday gift you
3: ever
0: got? Gosh, I don't, I don't know. I I don't know if I can really remember anything that was... Uh, I don't know. You know, nowadays I just would... What, what brings joy is, you know, when, when you're, when your kid is happy, when your wife is happy, when your when your two dogs are, you know, doing good and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I don't really remember, um, anything like that, but, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm grateful for a lot of things. And, uh, you know, one of them is obviously to be, to be back here in Indiana and, and you know, have a have an exciting young team that's about ready to get started. So we'll, we're looking forward to
2: that. Yeah, I think the intrigue should certainly be there leading into tomorrow night. We'll see if your squad can get you an early birthday present with that opening night victory, uh, Coach. As always, thank you for the time on this Tuesday morning. Good luck tomorrow night, and really looking forward to the season getting underway.
0: Okay, thanks, guys. Take
2: care, Rick Carlisle. Right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Pacers Wizards tomorrow night, seven o'clock. What's yours?
1: I can't even think. You ask him, and I'm like going through it. I'm like, I, I, I literally cannot remember between that and what? Like Christmas? Like, I, I'm trying to think. I'm I, I breaking a bicycle at this, some point, this right? This falls
2: into a little bit of a Christmas <laughs> gift with my brother and I. One year, we got a Papa shot. Oh, yeah, the Papa shot. And That's the other great, thing I really loved was fantastic. the three and one. Mini pool table, oh, the pool. mini ping pong, mini air hockey. I think we probably had the exact same one. You I know, know exactly what awesome, you're talking about. Unfinished basement we call it Flood Arena. It had some flooding issues. <laughs> we had a little Fisher Price goal that maybe went up to six foot. I think the rim got bent to about five four after some of our dunking <laughs> attempts, but that would be in some order you're, you're basically uh,
1: every boy in indiana yeah, what you literally. just said uh-huh. well like that's isn't that mark is that not the biggest stereotype well we had a goal that mm-hmm. you know was uh, did you have a barn out back to <laughs> that you put a backboard on right now our
2: garage <laughs> does have a little bit of hoosier's field to does it really? there was a very old ram off uh, okay. take a picture of it and that's old school send it that's to indiana you. uh Again, I I really enjoy listening to Rick Carlisle talk about his team. I I thought that final comedy man is, you know, take this group to higher levels. That kind of gets back to what I was saying earlier, Andy. Of, you know, you haven't won a playoff game in six years. You haven't won a playoff series in ten years. I think those should be very realistic expectations. I don't think the rebuild is at this like end all be all where like this is it. This is your core. I still think you have an ability to add, and, and you haven't made that other big move sure you know, the other one that I think you know could eventually come or maybe should eventually come but I think right here right now I see no reason why a fifth or sixth seed in the Eastern Conference shouldn't be a re- realistic expectation.
1: Yeah, I mean when you're building, that doesn't mean you're just losing. That doesn't mean you're just getting first round picks until you're at you know until you're able to win, like the Baltimore Orioles or something like that, who just kept picking. In the Astros, you see how good they are. They just kept picking and picking. You know, I ask him that question because you know last year uh, Matherin played the majority of the time with T.J. McConnell, well over like 1,100 minutes with him, and now he's going to be in that starting lineup, and now he's going to be playing against better players like Coach talked about, and he's going to, I would imagine, the game uh, gets a little bit faster, but it gets a little bit easier with Halliburton as well. Uh, despite, he makes it easier for everybody. Yeah, Halliburton
2: yeah. makes it easier for everybody.
1: I'm excited. I, I'm excited I'm excited. also on Wednesday to bet every Jordan Poole over that I can find. <laughs> I'm going to go
2: look I, during the break. I'm betting every single way, one of them. That bold <laughs> statement of Jordan Poole having the high in an NBA game this season, That's gonna I think happen. is a great bet. I mean, 100%. You, Rick Carlisle was hyping up the Wizards there. I think we all can be honest. The Wizards are Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, and a bunch of seventh men like Tyus Jones and Landry Shamet uh, I'm trying to think of who else they have. I think they have Gallinari. I mean, it's a bunch of just kind of random dudes uh, with those two. Um, but he brought up Jairus Walker. I am curious if Jairus Walker will be in the rotation. He, he was not in Doesn't the rotation like it. in the preseason. And this is part of, I think, why... Pacers fans should be so optimistic about this team is they've got a very deep rotation. And where guys fit, you know, Aaron Neesmith signs that extension in the preseason, and he he was kind of the backup four man, which I know is maybe not what you think of with his height and with his size, but in today's NBA, where teams kind of opt to go smaller at times, Neesmith offers a little bit of flexibility there. So, obviously, Obi Toppin as a starter. You know, what does that backup group look like? You know it'll be Buddy Heald. It sounds like it'll be T.J. McConnell, certainly Andrew Nemhard now that he's back, Smith, and then how does it play out? Is it Jalen Smith? You know, Where's Jordan Wara? Is Ben Shepard going to crack it? Uh, that'll be um, something to watch really night in, night out with this Pacers team considering how deep they are.
1: Yeah, we're going to find out who's going to be the odd man or two out. I mean, really, that's what we're searching for. I hate saying that. That's it not was something Wara you can and Walker
2: him. in the preseason. Yeah, it was. We'll see if it is that. Again, Nemhard, you know, it was out for a good chunk of the preseason. Obviously, he's a key guy. He was a key guy for you last year and uh, really had a very nice rookie season. Uh, one
1: other thing before we get to our morning check-down that kind of resonates with me is I'm trying to think I need to go back and he's mentioned this the last couple times that he's been on with us and he did so again there KB. It's not professional management, but that that has been a battle cry for Rick Carlisle in the times that he's been on with us, right? Is now we got to be pros about this. Now now there's an expectation that we are a good team, that we're a you know, fun, young, exciting team. Yeah, entertaining loss yeah, is not going to yeah, be in the it, lingo this it, year. Exactly. That's the conversation we've had with the Colts. I, I had right. a caller yesterday that says, hey, you know, they lost. It was an entertaining game against the Browns. Isn't that kind of what we thought the narrative was going to be? That's not going to be what the narrative is with the Pacers. And I feel like that professional management, that's probably, outside of X's and O's, I think that's the thing this year that I think Coach is going to – know I am. Kind of look at this team and say, how do they handle these situations where people, hey, hey go be the eighth seed. That's not good enough. Yeah, this is not this as
2: feel-good-y as no. it was this,
1: last year. Last was a feel-good story. If you lose this year, it's not a feel-good story. If you end up where you were last year, that's a bad season. Uh,
2: Maddie Bowen just texted me oh, that boy. Rosie in the car on the way to school said, uh, who won the game was Rosie's question to Maddie. She wanted me to ask... I guess me, who won the game? I don't know if Rosie's referencing Monday Night Football from last night. Maybe we should lead off the check down and I'll tell Rosie who won, won the, game, the game, right? Last night. <laughs> The They're Morning Checkdown. Did Rosie have Omaha! the Vikings in the points last <laughs> On
5: night? On and 107.5,
2: The Fan. Good news, Rosie Bo. If you had Vikings yeah, money line, congratulations. you're going to be buying all your classmates lunch today. <laughs> Colored uh, pencils for everybody. Exactly. <laughs> Glue sticks around. Uh, the Vikings get the win last night. Uh, it was 22-17. Was that the final? Yes. Uh, 49ers were driving a couple times in the fourth quarter, but Brock Purdy did throw two fourth quarter interceptions. So uh, Rosie's favorite color... The Purple Team, the Minnesota uh, the Vikings. Team. They get it done last night on Monday Night Football.
1: Yeah, congratulations to them. Uh, whatever. I, I, you hate the Vikings? I just, it just, I don't know. I'm kind of like the Vikings. They win a game like that. It's just like sad. Like they're they're putting the bling on Kirk Cousins, and I'm like. You guys are going to draft Bron 13th. Kirk. You're You're going to draft 13th. Like, I don't know.
2: Congratulations.
1: Hey, there's got to be some wildcard teams in the so, NFC. You know what? Someone's got to make the postseason. You're exactly right. Someone's got to make it. It ain't going to be the Bears. It ain't going to be the Giants or the Packers, Mark. So there you oh, go. that's good. Uh, doubleheader in baseball. No, 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 no. One game in what? baseball tonight. No, I we had the double hunter yesterday. Well, yes, but we baseball. did last night. Diamondbacks force a game 7-5, one win over the Phillies. Rangers 11-4. Uh, obviously, this game wasn't close in the final, I don't know, I would say what, from the fourth, fifth inning on, uh, you know, the Rangers kind of just kept extending that lead. The final call on ESPN Radio. Here's what the it like. Rangers about. ready to explode over the dugout rail. Their fans behind them standing. One ball, two strikes, two-out pitch to Tucker. On the ground to second, should do it. Simeon goes to first, and the Texas Rangers, 90 wins in the regular season fly cross-country, and their journey will bring them to the World Series for the first time since 2011. Yeah, and that's the big stat since 2011. So we'll see who they get. Game seven tonight, Arizona at Philadelphia, 8:07 on TBS. Ad- Adolis Garcia, one. unbelievable, was playing out
3: of his mind. You yeah, know, since the playoffs started. It's
2: the ultimate disrespect to an opposing fan base that they boo you throughout the game, and then by the time he hit the. What was it, the eighth inning homer? Mm-hmm. That all of a sudden there's just no boost. It's just silence. Like they're like, we've resigned to the fact that we just need to bow down to you. And the fact that he's a former Cardinal does make me smile Complete dejection. a little bit as a Red fan. First time since 4 we've had both championship series go to a Game 7. Uh, Alright, Pacers get underway tomorrow night. Tonight in the NBA, it'll be the Western Conference. The Lakers have to play Bridesmaid, if you will, as they watch the Denver Nuggets get their rings. It's a 7.30 tip tonight for our Indiana fans out there. That'd be Indiana University. Jalen hood Shafino out at least a week with a patella contusion. So if you want to stay up and watch a Hoosier. You got to wait till the night cap. That will be, or I should say, the second night uh, game. It'll be the 10 o'clock tip. Uh, Suns and Warriors, no Draymond Green in that one. I'd assume Trace Jackson Davis will play a pretty meaningful role in his first ever NBA game. So that's what the NBA docket looks like tonight here on opening. By the way, it's looking like
1: 24 and a half is Jordan Poole's over-under. I mean, that seems like a layup. Oh, I the over. 24 and a half. I'll pay the juice at minus 115. That what dude, are we doing? He, he was a gunner with the Warriors. <laughs> you, <laughs> you imagine what he's going to be with the Wizards? Uh, I was about to say, his over-under with the Warriors would have been like 19 and a half. Is you
2: Johnny think? Davis going to get minutes for the Wizards? Uh, he I had a know. very poor rookie season. I'll have to look and that they up, drafted, if he an over-under. Well, I guess the Pacers technically drafted the guy, but they've got Wimby's teammate, right? Webanyama's teammate, oh, yeah. Bilal. Was it Koolabai? Am I saying that right? Yeah, you go, fig- yeah you're going to have to figure that one out yourself. Yeah, we'll need uh, I, a guide on that one. I cannot, so my hand is raised out of our listening audience right now. Okay. The percentage of people that can name the head coach
3: of the Washington Wizards.
2: <laughs> oh, God. I, you know, the Wizards aren't the only team. My guess
3: was Scott Brooks. So you could probably ask that about like most of the NBA teams. And I think NBA coaches are probably some of the least like known people. They really
2: are. Have I heard of
3: this guy? I saw you Googling it over I'm, there. I'm
1: Googling it over here. Uh, hang on. I, I've not found it as of yet. Boy, I'm going back in the Wayback Machine right now. is not
3: it Scott Brooks somewhat recently? <laughs> or am I imagining things with you, that one? You've probably heard of this guy. I have. I, I would think so. Okay. Uh, just feel free to say it, Mark. Uh, Wes Unseld Jr.,
2: Oh, okay. Yeah.
3: I mean, yes, and I, I would not have guessed that
2: had we done this <laughs> game for the next that. 20 minutes there. It, no, what what, what you do you never think? 5% you percent never, of our audience? Oh, not, not, not 5%. I'm not disrespecting no. the intelligence no. of our audience at all. I, I My hand was raised. I mean, there's no chance I would have gotten that right.
1: No, Mark's right. I would say if you went down the NBA coach and we just went team by team, I feel like the lowest percentage
2: would be with the NBA. The Thunder have got that coach with the weird last name. I always think I'm, that I'm cussing when I say his last name. Diag Diagnalt or whatever. Yeah, but I don't know. At times I feel like you I'm combining I mean, cuss words in that. You
1: believing in the Thunder? Chet Holmgren's back. They're supposed uh, to be the team. I yeah, mean, Gildas
2: Alexander's a beast. I, but I was gonna say I think Shea Gildas Alexander is a really But all good those teams basketball. in the
1: Western Conference, if you win like forty-two games, you might not make anything. If you win forty-four games, you might be the four seed.
3: <laughs> Jacques Vaughn, <laughs> Steve Clifford, JB Bickerstaff, Michael Malone. Like there's always a Bickerstaff. Always. Wait, where's Jacques Vaughn now? jock vaughn is with the brooklyn nets oh yeah, yeah small yeah, Mosley of the magic <laughs> your guy from the thunder that i can't pronounce
2: yeah, if you gave me Darko pen and paper Lejokovish. and gave me the thirty teams,
3: I don't know if I get t- uh, do I get twenty? If you put him in a lineup, Chris Finch and the Timberwolves. Who <laughs> fin- Finch <laughs> interviewed <Green>. here? <laughs> you know the Bulls coach is
1: Billy Donovan. Yeah, and my only joke with Billy Donovan is much like Steve Alford, they have the same haircut from back in the eighties. Like it has not changed. It has not moved. It's been exactly
2: the same. The NBA experience has been a bit of an odd one for Billy Donovan, uh, to say the least. All right, uh, let's get back in the Colts conversation. We'll do that coming up here for rest the 8 o'clock hour. Beautiful Tuesday morning. Thank you for tuning in to the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy.
1: As always, last couple weeks in a row now, Rick Carlisle has joined us. We appreciate him giving us 15-20 minutes. Going to be an exciting season there with the Pacers. And again, everything gets going tomorrow night, 6.30. That coverage right here on The Fan. As we transition back to Colts conversation, KB, uh, trade deadline upcoming. We can dive into that. Uh, Some of the fixable, unfixable items. Gardner Minshew, um, I was listening to to the Colts show at 6 o'clock. Coach breaking it down. Uh, you know, the, the three guys there, you know, Maytay breaking it down, you know, what can be fixed and the turnovers with Gardner Minshew is something that I want to dive into as well. Uh, as we transition to the Colts, uh, a story that I, I, you know, I texted you guys this yesterday. I may send a, a a text if you guys don't mind, unless you want to do it to the Colts. I am interested in the couple. I'm interested in the woman that gave birth at Lucas Oil oh, at noon yeah. on Sunday. It wouldn't that be an interesting well, to talk to, you know, maybe the father would want to Come on the air. I mean, you know, I was just there Forget a few the weeks we'll ago. Well, I mean, the it. mother probably doesn't
2: want to be on the air. I don't know. Well, Does I, anyone know who they are, I guess? I wrote down uh, the woman's name who delivered okay. or was part of this. This should have been the the GOAT of the weekend, by the way. Fully apologize. All caps no, like GOAT. We, we all dropped the ball should here. have been Ashley. I hope I'm saying this right. Vals camp. Okay. Um, that's what I'm going with here. Right, let me write that and, down. Uh, some of the other names of the medical crew inside of Lucas Oil Stadium that helped deliver this baby. For those that uh, did not oh. hear this story, we'll share it. Ken Allen, uh, Michelle Collins, Darren Hogat, and Tim Lamey. Don't know if I'm saying those names right, but shout out to that crew, basically. And David Bell said after the game, this was his cousin who delivered the baby. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And she went (laughs) into labor outside of the stadium. Oh my god. Decided to still come into Lucas Oil (laughs) and I don't know if there was like at this point, it's such a crowded downtown. The chance that you get over to, you know, whatever Methodist or you know is is, you know, I don't know. You you'd be, you have a better chance of delivering the baby at the first aid station <laughs> Do inside you? of okay. Lucas Oil. I, I, I don't okay. know. Maybe yeah, that's
1: what they. I, thought. I mean, the game. I mean, depending on what time it was. I mean, traffic does slow down when you're closer to game time. Maybe you can get out of there. I don't, I don't know. know where they parked where did they park? or what not
2: here. But yeah, <laughs> uh, went into labor, walked into the stadium, delivered it in the first aid station inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Ashley. Vlas Camp again. I hope I'm saying that right. She said that, uh, and Dana Benbow from the Star wrote this article. Uh, she said that she's assisted in deliveries before, but never been kind of the one, you know, doing it. She's an advanced EMT. Okay. Can you imagine the okay. thing she usually sees well, on game day? I, I, it's a bunch of drunk people falling down the stands, yeah, falling, like, falling down and hurting you know, their wrist. Or you I know. ate too much popcorn. My tummy hurts. <laughs> no, we're gonna deliver a baby here. So yeah, David Bell's cousin. Um, How about that? I believe is. Who the mother is a baby girl. Everyone is healthy, and wow. I guess that's a great story. I mean, that's. I mean, you know, the Colts, game ball to her. Could I, she have blocked Miles Garrett? That's what. That's what I'm saying. Like the Colts
1: almost had like give him tickets or something. Like that's like build a statue next to Peyton she, Yeah, for her. she knew and still entered the stadium. Now, uh, just as a funny aside, I know somebody, a, a listener at my last stop. You know, there's always the battle between Louisville and Lexington. They were at a game in Lexington between Louisville and Kentucky, and his wife's water broke, and they got in the car and they drove back to Louisville. They would not go to a Lexington hospital.
2: <laughs> that is awesome. I love college sports fandom. It's also freaking crazy. How many crazy. Alabama Auburn stories are <laughs> no. there of that? Sure. I mean that's a you know, it's a good hour and a half drive back to another Wait. hospital. I, I Max was born at 3.15 in the morning oh. and Maddie woke up at like 1.30 and started having contractions so and that's all of pretty a sudden. Quick. Yeah, so we were driving up Meridian. I'm thinking to myself, this is a scene from a movie. Like, <laughs> Max is about to be born right now. <laughs> I cannot imagine you're walking through security, and all of a sudden, the lady behind you is like, yeah, I'm going through labor. Uh, you guys mind if I cut you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, man, please take all of the, the items out of your pocket. We She we have... needs to be banging the anvil coming up on Sunday <laughs> for da- the Saints game. You're damn right. Or you're maybe damn right. Uh, both of them. Uh, listen, anyone. Yes. Mom and the delivery. 100%. Uh, 1,000%. Uh, Okay, next week, a week from today, Andy, NFL trade deadline. Just wrote, uh, posted a story up on our website about that. I want to get more into this, you know, right here, but certainly over the next 7 days. Uh, what did you make of Tennessee yesterday? Kevin Byard, uh, one of the best defenders in really Titans franchise history, is 30 years old. He gets sent to Philadelphia. That is a Titans team that's 2 and 4 coming off their bye week. They do have a new general manager, which Mm -hmm. I don't think we should lose sight of. Yeah, Carthon, right? Rand Carthon, I believe, from the Niners. So Mike Vrabel obviously is still there. But I've always been just awkward with Tennessee of like, what are they? Are they in the rebuild or are they not in the rebuild? This is a sign that they are in the rebuild. So my question now becomes, you know, okay, what about DeAndre Hopkins for the next week? What about Derrick Henry for the next week? Are these guys on the table as well? They got back a young safety and Terrell Edmonds, who had been a starter with the Eagles. They got back a fifth and a sixth round pick. Uh, but this is the first notable one here um, of kind of trade deadline week, if you will. And, and now how teams handle it, how they define themselves as buyers or sellers, uh, and where do the Colts fit into that picture. I think it's something that will be fascinating to watch here.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's several things. I mean, don't you feel like Derrick Henry would be one of those guys that if you're going to tear down, he would be the natural place to start and it wouldn't be like any sort of a hot take to to trade him? And I know like um, the the ESPN show before us in the 6 o'clock hour, they talked about him going to Buffalo you know, Derrick Henry going to Buffalo, that that would be a team that could utilize him. Doesn't that him. run
2: style just fit Buffalo January weather?
1: I mean, yeah, but that's not the type of team Buffalo is, though. They're more of the team that you would think would be playing in a dome than in Lake Effect Snow. Don't, I mean, don't you feel that way? They have more of a Miami feel to them, kind of the way they've built their team. So... If, I, if I'm a Titans fan, you know what the, the worst thing is, if you're a Titans fan, is you're going, you're you absolutely going into a rebuild, and you have Malik Willis, and you have Will Levis, both of which I don't think can play in the NFL, that you have put main draft capital into, which is frustrating, and as an organization, when can you shake the A.J. Brown trade? Never. I mean, can you? I mean, it, it, it's just like, to me, you'd be watching your team. That's and AJ why they Brown, have a new GM. Yeah, and A.J. Brown was absolutely dominant. Against the Dolphins, he has been one of the top four, five, six wide receivers in the NFL, and that Philadelphia team wouldn't be the team they were if Devontae Smith were the number one, right? And, and just you see that, like uh, to me, that's a difficult one. As it pertains to the Colts, I mean, what positions would you look at? Corner? I mean, especially if the Saints are able to move on Daryl Baker on Sunday, would it be corner? Would be an extra pass rusher, perhaps? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to find anyone to cover up what Grover Stewart can do uh, in the next couple weeks, but those would be the two positions to me. You're not making the move. To go get an AJ Brown, but you're making a move possibly to set up something in the offseason to do so.
2: Boy, that'd be a dream, uh, and certainly not one that's going to come to fruition in the next week. Yeah, I, there are a few names that I want to throw out there that I think um, if they're not part of your 2024 plans, you've got to look long and hard at making those moves. I know when you're three and four, and who knows, maybe they'll be four and four after Sunday, maybe they'll be three and five, and that leaves about a 48 hour window. For that trade deadline, Naheem Hines was traded, you know, right up at the deadline last year. Uh, maybe that would influence some of the dec- decision making for the Colts. But again, I- I'm a big believer. You got to be honest with yourself at this point of the season uh, and look at where you're at. So uh, we will continue that conversation on the other side. Uh, Tony East joins us to talk Pacers at nine. Tony
1: East going to join us coming up top of the hour. Just one quick uh, NBA item before we go back to a little bit of Colts conversation here. Do you see the T-Wolves re signed Jaden McDaniels to a big deal? Did, I don't know if you saw that overnight. You know, these guys are getting last-second contracts. It's the first time the Minnesota Timberwolves have been in the luxury tax in 20 years. God. <laughs> 20 years. 20 years. So you talk about expectations. I would imagine they have some giving that they're in the luxury tax in Minnesota. That's what happens when you make
2: that trade
3: of uh, horrific proportions for Rudy Gobert. Between
1: Buttocks and like Minnesota
3: Timberwolves luxury tax. My bingo card is like blank right now.
1: That's <laughs> hey, an NBA. I mean, what are we doing here? People want to know
2: that. Speaking of trade. doesn't want to know that? Again, the NFL trade deadline coming up on Tuesday. We mentioned before the break just activity for the Colts. I, I know it doesn't necessarily boil down to this but my thoughts when the trade deadline rolls around annually andy is this if you feel like you have a playoff type team and the piece and you are a piece away from being a super Bowl type team you do it you make the buy trade. You push some of those chips into the table. You sacrifice some draft capital, if you will, to go and get a player a la Booger McFarlane for the Colts mm-hmm. back in that 2006 Super Bowl run. Uh, if you're not in that boat, which let's be honest, there are a good amount of teams that aren't in that boat, then you don't buy. Then you try and find the balance of sell peace that's not a part of the future, Try to get draft picks and/or try to get a young player that maybe you bring him into your building, and it's a resurrection mm-hmm. project, if you will. Um, you know, the Colts have had nice resurrection projects. These these aren't necessarily trades, but you know, Vontae Davis was a trade. I mean, that was a nice resurrection project. Eric Ebron and Xavier Rhodes would be the two that wouldn't fall into a. Uh, trade, but um, again, guys that were high-ish draft picks in other spots, they come here to Indy, and you know it's not for a long period of time, but they find success. Zach Moss could probably be viewed as that. The Chiefs did that with Kadarius Tony a couple right. years ago. You know, like, you always gonna have another it. team that'll kick the tires on somebody else. But when I look at this Colts team right now, Andy, I I, I kind of look at a few guys. Zach Moss. Yeah. He's yeah. a free agent next year. I know. Is he part of your future plans? Do teams need running backs? Kenny Moore. Is he part of your future plans? Julian Blackman. Is he part of your future... Mo Cox? Mm-hmm. You know, some of these guys that are in contract years that, in my opinion, if you have real questions or if you don't think they are part of your future plans, I'd look long and hard at moving them right now. Because right now, Andy, you might find a desperate team. You might find a team that says... Uh, that comp pick that you might get if that guy signs elsewhere in free agency, well, it could be a round higher if you move them now because you have a win-now team that views a little bit more urgency for themselves here at the trade deadline. Like I felt like Stephon Gilmore could have been that guy last year at the trade deadline. The Colts waited till the offseason to move him. I viewed him as kind of a guy at the trade deadline that you could get a little bit more for. So those are some names that I'm kind of watching for. Again, I'm not holding my breath. I don't necessarily expect the Colts to do that. But I think you got to look long and hard at it. The other thing, too, is there's not a lot of these types of players on the Colts roster I don't look at the Colts roster, Andy, and say, there is a young draft pick that should be getting playing time, right. or you're stunting his growth, or we need to see more of. There's one guy, if I really had to pinpoint it, and that would be Nick Cross. And that's where the Julian Blackman thing comes into play of, you know, we saw Cross play two snaps on Sunday. He barely plays, Andy, really doesn't play at all defensively. Do you view, you really have two youngish guys ahead of him in Blackman and Rodney Thomas? So, um... Is there anybody on the roster that you would look at in that light of, hey, let's move the veteran so the young guy can get more reps? I don't see a lot of those uh, places yeah, on the roster. Yeah,
1: but here's the problem that the Colts have. If you move some of these guys, I even look at a Zach Moss or uh, if you look at Kenny Moore, I mean, don't don't you feel like that is sending a message to your fan base for the season? And, and with the expanded playoffs, if you look at the AFC right now, being three and four Should isn't, you care the, about that? isn't the end of the world. Uh, I don't. Shouldn't you live in reality? Well,
2: uh, okay. So how much so does Zach Moss playing the final two months of the season? Let me ask you this: Is all of a sudden going to change
1: yeah. fans' opinion? And I, I know we have Tony East coming up, so I don't want to be late to him. How much does a game like the like the Saints game matter? I mean, if you're sure. three three yeah. and
2: five is different than four and four. Three and five. Yeah, three and five we, losing back to back home games, to, losing to, three in to, a row. To, to, yeah. I
1: mean, to teams that have been. I mean, the Saints. They don't have a dominant unit like the Browns did, right? And you were able to attack their defense. If we come in here Monday and this team has lost these back-to-back games at Lucas Oil and what happened three weeks ago, then uh, in Jacksonville being blown off the field, there you're going to be three and five. It's going to be Gardner Minshew probably has three more turnovers and would have like ten in the last three games. And then it would be a conversation of, hey, what can you do? I guess the question would be if it's four and four, that gives them all sorts
2: of cover not to move one of these. Guys, for a fifth round pick. Yeah, I think that's a conversation we'll continue to have over the next week, and it's not as black and white as I'd like to make it. But I think you've got to make sure you look in the mirror and kind of live in reality here. When it's an opportunity arising that you can build, you can find a future draft pick. I think you know NFL teams need to view the trade deadline as an important time to try and you know bolster something uh, on your roster or from a draft pick standpoint. All right, uh, Tony East he joins us next to talk Pacers. Tony East going to join us here uh, in just a second. Can't wait
1: to talk to him. Reminder hanging out with you in the drivehubler.com studios. We sit here until 10 o'clock. Query and Company coming your way at noon. JMV at 3 o'clock. Reminder tonight as well. We'll join Game 7 in Progress, NLCS, right here on the fan. Who you got winning that game? Come on, right now, right now. Uh, going to go. go well, heart
2: says Diamondbacks, head says Phillies. It says Phillies. Okay. I figured that And would you said be they're the a case.
1: heavy favorite, correct? Uh, Uh, Yeah, I think it's like minus 175 I saw, which seems like it's a lot. Does it not? It seems like it's a lot. Betting on baseball. That's something. <laughs> it's not something that, It's not something that I do. It's not uh, something that I do.
2: Again, Tony East gonna join us here waiting. in just a second. Off day for the Colts. Uh I don't know how newsy it'll be. I guess, you know, if Juju Brent's is gonna be out for a while. Do you make a cornerback move? You know, that would be a question that I would have. Um, him and Eric Johnson, those were the two injuries from yesterday or from Sunday, Andy. And I know that Eric Johnson might not be a household name. Fifth round pick from two years ago. He played the most snaps in replacing Grover Stewart. Him and Taven Bryant were the two guys. Johnson out-snapped Bryant rather significantly. Uh, I would say that Johnson was slightly more effective. Neither of them did much in the stat sheet. Um, that looked like you know a, a an ankle injury that you know he had trouble getting off the field. Um, those are two like important young defenders for this football team right now. I know. Brent's is such a big deal. Brent's is obviously the bigger deal. But if you're talking about the interior of your defensive line and you just brought up, you know, how do you replace, you know, do you make a trade for a defensive tackle? um, That is a major question that I have right now of what does that look like moving forward
1: Okay, so we're efforting Tony East. Is that right, Mark? We're efforting Tony East. So while while we sit here and wait for Tony East, can we go back to uh, this discussion with the Colts? And then when we have him, uh, we'll pop him up on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. How much does the Saints game play into this, KB? I mean, I think that's the story that we need to kind of focus on. I'm reading your piece here. I mean, to me, three and five... To me, if you're three and five, and you've lost three in a row, and two of those losses are like pivotal losses, whether it be the AFC South or the AFC Wild Card, the playoff picture, whatever it may be, and, I'm sorry, just with Carr at quarterback and Dennis Allen as the head coach and what they've done the last month of the season, I just have very little kind of respect for a lot of the things. Like, you know, Kamara is a good player you know Michael Thomas has had a nice jump back season and I'm not saying they don't have some nice players they do Uh, but to me uh, to me the Saints game I think is going to say a lot about if they do things at the trade deadline
2: I just do Saints have lost uh, four of five they're coming off their mini bye week we mentioned earlier in the show Chris Alave arrested last night for reckless driving A 70 and a 35. 70 and a 35. Doubling things up there. Um, Yeah, three and four on the year. Their offense, I mean, you just listed some of their skill, guys. Don't you feel like they should be more potent? I mean, I thought, I watched the whole Thursday night game last week. I thought Derek Carr looked broken for three quarters. And I I guess in the fourth found a little bit of life there. you know, I think trying to test him, obviously, their offensive line was really banged up. Uh, defensively, they're certainly a little better. They've got Indy native Pete Warner, who has been a really nice young pro for them. Uh, their defensive line, you know, Cameron Jordan has been there forever. Marshawn Lattimore is certainly a household name at corner. Uh, he had a pick six on Gardner Minshew late last season. Uh, that is a matchup to keep an eye on that we'll get more into this week, but... Uh, Shane Steichen as play caller and Dennis Allen, the Saints head coach, as defensive play caller. These two faced off with Gardner Minshew as the quarterback <laughs> late last season. Yeah. Um, this is one of the games that Gardner <laughs> a good point. started late last year. Uh, Gardner was not great in the game uh, the Eagles scored a uh, l- uh, season low 10 points in that game so uh, certainly some more conversation to have as the week moves along
1: all right Tony East joins us now on the Payless Liquors Hotline we get ready opening night for the Pacers again that coverage tomorrow six thirty, right here on the fan Pacers and Wizards Tony good morning how are you today sir I'm excellent guys. How you doing? Uh, we're fantastic. Getting ready for the season. I guess let's react quickly, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, you know the move and signing Aaron Nismith. Uh, you know right before the season, he gets a three-year deal. What did you make of uh, what did you make of that signing? As we're sitting here on the eve of the season beginning,
5: yeah, he's the only extension eligible player they had that made any sense to me. Right, he's only twenty-four plays on the wing where you always need guys and can get away with having too many of them and can play the 4-2, so lots of important positions he can fill in. Had a nice year for them last year toggling between those spots, and if you can make threes or you can play defense on the perimeter, there's going to be a role for you on an NBA team, right? And the Pacers certainly figured that out last year with Smith, since he started so much, so it made sense why the Pacers would pursue it. I actually am surprised that Neesmith agreed at the number that he settled in on. I thought he (laughs) could maybe consider getting a little more if he waited a year and had a nice season, but if you're the Pacers, if you take a step forward now, you've got him locked up. If not, he's a good player already on that deal, so I think it's a win-win for both of them.
2: Yeah, 3 for 33, that seems very reasonable for the versatility and the acceptance, I guess, of the roles that Aaron Neesmith has already shown. Again, Tony East, uh, Locked on Pacers, great listen on a daily basis, SI.com you'll find his written work. He's with us here on the Payless Lickers Hotline. All right, defense, 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 Tony. We've heard it a million times this offseason that is the biggest storyline what would you put like two three four on your Pacers storyline list for this season
5: Yeah, we talked a lot about the playing time and rotations and I think that oh, that would be my number two and more specifically like what it tells us about what the Pacers are thinking right like they have a lot of vets they can play and they have some young guys they can play and how they mix that all up will be telling about how they think about their team right now and what they're hoping to accomplish this season, right? Daniel Tice probably not going to play, but you know he's a, dec- a decent backup big, and he didn't play very much in the preseason. T.J. McConnell, meanwhile, <laughs> had an awesome preseason, and it looks like a guy who couldn't be earning minutes, but if it comes at the expense of a young guy, is that the right decision, right? That's something we'll have to be talking about all season, and, and how can they get, if they need to, their young guys more playing time, and it's all fluid, right? Last year in their first game, Adrian Emhart didn't even play, right? He wasn't even in their rotation yet, and he became an important piece very quickly, but how they figure that all out and how they balance going for those wins, trying to be that playoff team versus you know, a younger team that's still thinking long-term, like Chad Buchanan said, before the before the season is going to be really interesting to me. And, and I don't know how they find the right balance. I think that that's really hard in their position. They have a lot of time with Tyrese Talburton under contract to build their team, but also they made the playoffs in three years, right? At some point it's time to go for it and, and try to be a little better. And I think a lot of the other storylines are about young guys getting better because if the Pacers want to be the team they want to be long-term, they need a second guy, right? Can Benedict Matherin be that guy? Can he take that step forward next to Tyrese Halliburton and show that, yes, I am worth investing in forever. I could be the the second star for this team. Can Andrew Nemhard take a huge step forward and prove that he is a crucial core piece for this team, right? Could anyone else do it? A surprise player, who knows? But I think those are the two biggest secondary storylines for the team as they kind of try to start jostling to be a, a playoff team every year going forward.
2: So Tony, we obviously know, and you just mentioned it there, the rotation and you know what that looks like night in, night out. It will be fluid. You brought up a great point about Andrew Nemhard not even playing in last year's season opener and look how quickly he became a key piece. Um, but uh, do I have this mapped out correctly? I'm going to go starters and, and, and bench units. Starting lineup, Halliburton, Matherin, Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, Miles Turner, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and then is it safe to say that you would expect the bench unit to look like in some fashion Andrew Nemhard, TJ McConnell, uh, Buddy Heald, Aaron Neesmith, and Jalen Smith?
5: That is, the, Yeah, that is the five they rolled with in their last preseason game, and I would say based on how well everybody played in the preseason – those would be the five guys who, to use the Pacers terminology, earned it to be the second unit, if that makes sense.
2: So then the outside looking in for rotation minutes would be Jerris Walker, Daniel Tice, Jordan Wara, Isaiah Jackson, Ben Shepard. Is your biggest surprise of that group Walker, or is it uh, maybe Wara, honestly, in my opinion, just based off what he did last year? Yeah,
5: Walker is the top of the list of the surprises for me, and like, you know, when I was talking about the biggest storyline a second ago, that is where I think that will be a frequent ish topic of discussion this season is, you know, depending on their record, right? Are they a team good enough to just be totally comfortable not playing their lottery pick that much, right? And uh, maybe Walker had a really great opening to the preseason and his final outing was pretty impressive too, but the two games in the middle, the shot wasn't balling and he is a rookie after all and like. Typically, on teams trying to win, rookies don't play that much, so it makes sense. But are they really good enough to be making that decision now? It's going to be something worth discussing all season. I think he's the most surprising guy to me that could be on the outside looking in. And yeah, Wara, it's just, it's really tough for him, right? Like, he did everything they asked last year. He set that record for points in a quarter, which is going to be an unbelievable trivia fact in in some years. I hope I remember that forever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You're right. uh, Lost weight, can play two different positions now. Like, He's a pretty valuable offensive piece and to no fault of his own they just acquired some forwards this offseason and now he might just not play at all like it's tough how it shook out but I can't it's hard to make the argument that he should be in there at the same time so those are probably the two most surprising and they have a lot of depth which is good it's just it's always hard when some somebody has to not play and those two guys are going
1: to be out I think. Tony East following the Pacers locked on pacerssi.com here on the fan on this Tuesday. You know I was going to ask you as a follow up there about Jerris Walker. If you had to just predict just an absolute blind guess here on this Tuesday before the Pacers get going tomorrow night, what do you think his rookie campaign looks like? How do you think this kind of flows over the next several months? Any idea?
5: Uh, I think he'll, like, he's, he's an interesting piece to me in that the shot's a big question mark, but he's kind of okay at everything else already to me. Like, he reads the game pretty well. His defense is solid. So I think the, the first couple of games he plays will look a little jittery just because it's like NBA debut kind of stuff. But once he's a settled in player, I think he'll look fine as a rookie, like be able to, to contribute in a way that it, if he ever finds a role, at least you know, is, is meaningful for the team. But I think how his season goes and how I would be blindly guessing would depend on um, what kind of shooting percentage he has this year. I know he works on his shot like crazy, but if he if he is a, an inefficient guy, it's going to be really hard for him to get on the floor for this team. Right? They they really need to score and find a way to get points with that second unit. And if Walker can't be putting the ball in the bucket and the shot's not there, it's going to be tough. So uh, it, it's hard to blindly guess and say because his two preseason games are kind of all over the map. But I think he'll probably you know get. 60-70 to 70 games and under his belt hmm. and look like a, a nice defensive piece that needs to work offensively. Exactly what his draft profile kind of said, but I think at the same time, since his minutes are going to be a little less, it's going to be at least less than I thought a couple weeks ago, it's going to be harder to say that he'll be a more immediate contributor or a guy like really dynamically changing games right away.
2: Again, Tony East is with us as an outstanding job on Pacers coverage. Uh, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, you are a Vikings fan, correct? <laughs>
5: I am. I also did not realize they won until like three hours after the game ended. Well,
2: I, I was. I was oh, going go to bed. I was going to add. He's a Vikings <laughs> fan, but his NFL fandom is about like my fandom towards like Taylor Swift. Is that about right? <laughs> yeah, that is exactly right. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, this analogy might not be the best one, but you live in this market. I don't, as much as you do live under a rock about the NFL. I think you had a general grasp of what was going on with Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. And that saga, and obviously, you saw an in-season extension uh, a couple of weeks ago for Jonathan Taylor. On the Jonathan Taylor Colts scale, how would you describe Buddy Hield in the Pacers situation? <laughs>
5: That's good. That's good. Yeah, definitely not as as tenuous as it looked like Taylor and the Colts were. Although, in retrospect, that seems hilarious because it worked out in the end, right? Um, but that you know, that was always the really interesting part of all that to me is that. He wasn't, I mean, for reasons of injury, of course, but he wasn't around and it felt so strained and the, the agent being kind of public about it was all kind of odd and, and made it seem like it was headed for poor resolution, whereas, like, I don't know what the resolution is going to be for Buddy Hill and the Pacers because, you know, I wouldn't be tripping all over myself to extend him as the Pacers. They're a younger team who has guys ready to step in and play, as we've kind of already talked about, but he likes Lanier, He likes the team. He likes your Carlisle, and he played well in the preseason. He's a good like presence, and is lighthearted all the time. Like the, the mood is still good. You know they they have a good relationship together, and clearly the Pacers value him. Right? They t- they said it. They offered him something, right? They they clearly have some interest in having him back. So it's a little different than Taylor, in that there is like they were, you know they wanted to see. Taylor be healthy before they offered him something and the running back market was weird. Whereas with Hill, they're like, yeah, we get it. You're good. We kind of want to have you. But they haven't been close enough on an extension that it seems like something could happen there right now. Something will have to change during the season, whether that's, you know, Hill doesn't look as good in his role or Hill looks better in his role and the face if you to pay him more or the Pacers are more willing to keep him, or another team is really wanting Buddy Heald. I think something will have to change for a resolution on this, but the biggest difference on the Jonathan Taylor scale is that the relationship doesn't seem, at the moment, so contentious, and I think that I don't know. If, uh, how do I assign numeric value to this skill? I don't know. It's, it's like a four. Do it with that what you will. It's a
0: four. four.
2: Yeah, I didn't, do, I, I didn't okay. do a good job of laying okay. out the the <laughs> grading scale. I guess, it, like, could you see a late January extension, a la Miles Turner last year? I, 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 maybe that would be the better similarity to try and make an analogy to.
5: <laughs> yeah, we saw you know Turner do it late. They they Turner twice right. Sabonis had the surprise extension in twenty nineteen too, and. Um, I think that's possible, right? They still have Caps base to do a renegotiation too, like exactly the same way that they did with Turner and Heald, is now their only extension eligible player during the season, so the only guy to keep an eye on in that way. I think it's possible, right? But, it, it, you know, it's like I said, something has to change, and that's exactly what happened with Biles last year, right? Before the season, out of given the odds of a Miles Turner extension last year, for like .001%, and like Everything went right. He was awesome. He was healthy. He fit extremely well with Tyrese Halliburton. And the Pacers had the perfect financial situation and incentive to keep him in a way that somehow it all came together and made sense. And, you know, like three games in, we were talking about him going on a podcast, talking about being traded to the Lakers. Like, that. everything went right. And so it is possible for all this stuff to change in a way that, that makes it possible, and and Buddy Heal does help the team, and it's close to Tyrese Albert, and they clearly value him, so yeah, I definitely think it's possible, but it it is a little different, just given the cap dynamics of the Pacers and their more immediate goals, so uh, unless something changes, I don't think we'll see a resolution soon, but Obviously, deadlines for action, and come trade deadline time, we'll see how this really shakes out.
1: Tony East joins us here on the Pay Less Liquors hotline. He follows the uh, follows the Pacers. Locked on Pacers also can check him out there at si.com. Last one for me. Uh, you know, if this team is to be a top six seed, and, you know, may, maybe they're right below that, maybe that's exactly what they are. That's going to be the fun of watching them this season. I mean, you look at some of the things last year, some of the win totals that the Pacers could be around, uh, whether it's Chicago. I know Miami was down in the regular season, then they make the postseason run. Atlanta, perhaps the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I guess what would be a team or two that you'll be watching, Tony, and saying, hey, if the Pacers are going to meet those expectations of being a top six seed, they're going to have to be better than this team and this team. What are those couple teams here as we sit here on the eve of the season?
5: Yeah, certainly almost all the playing team from last year. Right, Chicago is almost exactly the same team. They got to catch Chicago if they want to be in the play, and for sure. I mean, that team could blow it up if they have a bad season. They'll be one, especially because the Pacers will play them four times. It's like a pretty good measuring of the Pacers' potential level of reaching the, whatever it is to seed or the plan. And Orlando is about as good as the Pacers last year. They'll be another one. But really, they have the jump teams that were in the field, right? Right. And that's where this comes down to. So you just mentioned some of them. But Brooklyn, I think, the key one, right? They banked a lot of their wins last year with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on their roster. They'll be good on defense. They will not be nearly as good as last year. They have to be better than the Nets, right? If the Pacers can't be on the Nets level this year, I think it'll be really hard for them to get to the top six. Uh, I think that's a key one, and the, the Heat made the final, so it's weird to say, but they weren't awesome in the regular season last year. And Pacers beat them twice. Like keeping up with Miami is pretty important too. Um, so in terms of the actual playoff measuring stick with good teams, I think Brooklyn and Miami are the two that I'd be looking at the closest because I think Atlanta's going to be pretty good, and they were one of the other playing teams last year. But really, every team in the plan, the Pacers have to be better than if they want to get to six. Right, they can't be as good as them or splitting games with them during the season so being better in the plan teams would be important and I think if they can take a step ahead of Miami and, and Brooklyn we could be looking at a playoff team this year
2: you going over uh, 39 and a half Tony for the win-loss uh, over-under or for the win-over-under I should say
5: that is very close to what I expect but I think there are more ways they would go over than under so I will say yes I will take the over on that number
2: Tony East, outstanding coverage for the Pacers. You can find his work in Locked on Pacers, the podcast, sa.si.com for the written work. Tony, thanks for the time this morning, man. Always look, uh, always enjoy our conversations. Look forward to your coverage this year. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Tony East, right there on the Payless Liquors hot. I have the
1: Pacers over 35 and a half. 35 and a half. Oh. I made the bet on in July. July 12th. What odds did you get on that? <laughs> minus 120.
2: Wow, you got that. Wow, yeah. it's like minus 110 now for 39 yeah. and a half. Yeah. yeah, I got it early. What changed for the Pacers I, that all of a sudden their win <laughs> total went up four? Brother, I have no idea. That's all the way back in July I made that bet. Mark, do I have to make another Pacers? Oh, boy.
3: For the show, you should. I, yeah. So
2: Last year, Andy, the Pacers win-loss was at um, I keep on saying win loss. The win over under was at 23 and a half. That's kind of like the Wizards, honestly, right. from this year. You teased it up, I imagine. And so, right? Yeah, I teased it up to over 30. And if Good Max wants to go Ivy League, Max can go <laughs> Ivy League. Good that and his helmet picking, um, we feel like we've had, you know, first <laughs> semester at Columbia paid for here. Um, so I feel like I've got to do something again. 39 and a half. What do I think? Do I think 45 or is that is that too rare? I, I think they, they should be the five of the six seed. Yeah, I know you do. Okay, so the the
1: five and six last year, the Knicks won 47 and the Nets won 45. Tony makes the point that they did have Durant and Kyrie Irving before they, they kind of blew things up. And then it dropped quite a bit. Then it was Atlanta with 41, Chicago 40, the Raptors 41. To me... Oh, boy. To, to me, 45 and a half. Is that what you were thinking? 45 and a half or just 45? I don't know yeah, what you can get there. I, I think it's just now 45 a, or more. That's a gamble. Like so, I, I feel, know.
2: Which, I feel. I did last year. Yeah, but last year you had to feel pretty good about that. Well, you, 40, you should see me sweating uh, in the months sweating? of October. <laughs> Didn't they start one and four? Yeah. Yeah, you had some thought some, I was going to I I have to get the third shift in and just come straight in for the show. By the way, I
1: love you saying we'll pay for Columbia and you said, yeah, uh, you, you got what books for Columbia? You know, yeah. Columbia's probably I said expensive. Semester, yeah. yeah,
3: books is probably <laughs> that the might be that jacket actually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: you go to the bookstore and get something at Columbia. All right, I'm pulling up regular season wins
2: right now. All right. Okay. Maybe
1: maybe if you would not mind do like a 43 and a half, you would still get some good odds and I feel like I feel like they only go every 5. Oh, do they? Okay, I would have to look at it again. I'm again, I made this in July. Plus
2: three twenty if okay. I go forty five or more wins. Oh, you don't have to worry about the half. Yeah, I... boy, that's a lot. I mean, in a way, it's a lot of wins. Like when you break down what the standings were last year. But in my mind, I'm like, wait a minute. If forty one and forty one is a five hundred basketball team, all I need is forty yeah. five. I just need them to be a little better than five hundred. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. I can't have Halliburton get hurt. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Can you guarantee yeah, that for me? I, I can't guarantee anything for
2: you. No, Can, so you can't do like a forty three on I, there. I, I might have to look into it a little bit more. Okay. I, I do not see that. But right now, I will make the final selection tomorrow. No, you have to. Yeah, but I am leaning towards that. Plus okay. three twenty seems like pretty good odds.
1: Let me do some 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 googling. Yeah, and t- let me uh, let talk me to Hollywood. I'll talk to Hollywood. And we'll see what we can we can see what we can come up with for you.
2: If you miss it, Rick Carlisle joined us earlier. Outstanding per usual as the Pacers get started. I did not have to laugh at times Rick Carlisle described the Washington Wizards like they were the Heatles or the you know '98 Bulls. There, uh, Pacers are a seven and a half point favorite over the Wizards. The Wizards are picked to finish last in terms of the win over under in the NBA this season. So uh, after the Wizards here. Uh, a couple nights off. Uh, Cleveland, right? Saturday in Cleveland for the Pacers' second game. All right, speaking of games, we had a lot of them last night. Uh, let's lead off our morning check down. Uh, let's go baseball to lead off. The morning check down.
3: Omaha! Oh! On
2: 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. For the first time since 2004, both League Championship Series in Major League Baseball are going or went to a Game 7. The went to would be in the past tense. That's the ALCS. America's team, right? The mm-hmm. Rangers. Right. They advance because no one wants the Astros to win. Uh, 11-4. Absolutely impressive by the Rangers as they win uh, Game 6 and 7. All road wins in this series. Uh, it does sound like Dusty Baker could be hanging it up uh, after a hell of a run for him. Bruce Boshi, the first manager now to take three different teams to a World Series. So the Rangers will await the winner of tonight's Game 7. That will be an 8:07 1st pitch. We'll join in progress after trackside uh, coming up tonight on our airwaves. It'll be the Diamondbacks and the Phillies. Last night it was Arizona 5 one to stay alive I would assume panic is high in the city of brotherly love on this Tuesday morning
1: oh come on let's go Arizona by the way I'm just fully engrossed right now looking at Pacers stuff uh, what I'm seeing on DraftKings you can get <laughs> over 41 and a half at plus 165 that might not be enough payback what about for 43? you yeah, see, I'm not seeing that being offered right now I'm not seeing that being offered do we need to talk to people Uh, If you know some people to talk to that run the biggest books, I got no problem. But what I'm seeing here is you can go all the way up to 41 and a half. You probably
3: need an offshore bank
2: account. Yeah, I know. I don't know if Maddie wants to hear that. I think I'm going to go with the 45. (laughs) Okay. Mark's right. Last year, it Mm -hmm. was was risky. It was offered reward. I see no reason why I shouldn't continue to go down that path.
3: It was also fun just seeing like, after a Pacers game, whether it was a win or a loss, your mood changed like in the studio the next day. You are yeah. either ecstatic or uh-huh. you are like, what am I doing? Yeah,
2: the hiding of emotions yeah. was not mm-hmm. something I really uh, the, was uh, too good at last <laughs> that, that's season. That's the problem with gambling.
1: Uh, so 45 at, at times, should be fascinating. Just to yeah.
2: Yeah. 45, yeah. God, the more I think about it, it's kind of a big number, but whatever. Uh, what, what do
3: you got over there?
1: Alright, let's move on to the NFL. Week 7 concluded Last time. Monday Night Football, 22 17. Vikings over the Niners. The Niners now back to back losses. Five point, uh, five point loss there. They moved to five and two on the season. The Vikings, three and four on the season. That was a rough loss by the Niners. I don't know. Who do you trust more, the Bills or the Niners? Oh, Is it still I, the no. Niners? Yeah,
2: I mean, no, no Debo. No Debo. Did Trent Williams didn't play, did he? Yeah, Trent Williams didn't play. McCaffrey played
1: a good amount. I don't know if he had the same pop. Uh, just 15 carries, 45 45- yards yards did get in the
2: end zone i mean to me a couple crazy uh, plays with jordan addison yeah. i'm not I, i'm not gonna fret too much i over think it.
1: the last couple games brought purdy you know he needs the better players around him he's just been okay Kirk cousins the big game 378 yards uh, you mentioned jordan addison seven catches a buck 23 and two touchdowns so the vikings now uh three and four on the season
2: aaron Rodgers was talking about last night with peyton and eli on the manning cast i think that is one of the loudest venues i've ever been in and they were mentioning the old Metrodome, how loud that was. I I think their new stadium is pretty loud. Oh, have
1: you been? Have you been in it as well?
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. Absol- beautiful stadium. Yeah, it looks um, fantastic. Hosted a Super Bowl, what, somewhat recently? Right, oh, just a co- like, like two, three years ago, maybe. Sound that right? Was just a few years ago. Uh, all right. Before we get to the pop quiz coming up, three one seven two three nine ten seventy. By the way, we've got a nice gift card giveaway mm-hmm. for the pop quiz. NBA tonight, uh, two games to get things started in this year's season. It'll be the Lakers at the Nuggets. So the ring ceremony for Denver. With that one, Jalen hood shafino out at least a week due to a knee contusion. So you will not see the first-round pick from Indiana uh, tonight in the first game. You will see Trace Jackson-Davis in the second game, and I assume playing a decent role for the Warriors. Draymond Green is out. Uh, Trace Jackson-Davis actually started in the preseason. So, uh, Suns and Warriors tonight, that is a 10 o'clock tip. And again, Trace Jackson-Davis making his NBA debut. Uh, all right. It is time for the pop quiz. i Mark Dykton. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but 459 wrong. Barber Lounge. Yes. <laughs> Shout out uh, right up there on 86th Street uh, across from the Fashion Mall. Outstanding spot. They are giving away $100 gift cards wow. all correct. week long. Yes. <laughs> That's 100 and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they serve beer and wine uh-huh, uh-huh. at 459 Barber Lounge. Great spot again, right up there across from the fashion mall. $100 gift cards to our pop quiz participant. Each of the next four days, give us a call. 317-239-1070. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so about, what, 45 minutes ago, Scotty walked in here, and I tried to give him a baseball question to try to stump him. And KB, he knew the answer. He smiled at me and patted me on the head and said, I already saw that one. He was one. like
3: Adoles Garcia, just yeah, drilled yeah, it into
1: the yeah, he's like, all right, well, you
2: know. He did Kimbe Matumbo.
1: He really did. Mm-hmm. He really, he ejected me. That's uh, Or rejected me. That's exactly what he did on the pop quiz. You think any, uh,
2: this might sound stupid, I would say no, but Chris Alave is still going to play on Sunday after this arrest, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I mean, reckless driving yeah. is not a game no. suspension. No. might be a
3: fine. I wouldn't <laughs> right. think there's a suspension coming. Yeah. Sure,
1: go ahead. Do the right thing, I Saints. Know, Why no, don't no. you step up and,
2: and show we're going to clean up today's society and suspend him. I've never looked at the Saints as you know <laughs> the moral compass in the NFL. Um, but, yeah, I just saw a question uh, uh, about that. Um, reckless driving, for those that uh, missed it, Chris Alave, uh young uh, you good one. star wide out. I mean, it certainly he's had some moments. Certainly, they drafted him. Thinking that uh, seventy and a thirty-five last night, and um, we'll await uh, any sort of announcement. Kind from of New a car Orleans, was it? Did you see it? I was would it, assume. Was, was it in the place. was it in the write-up at all? What kind of car it was? I I did not see okay. that. No, yeah. I'm did sure not, it was something nice. Did not catch that again. A hundred dollar gift card. Do four fifty-nine barber lounge right there, off eighty-sixth Street, across from the Fashion Mall. Giving away that. All week long here on the pop quiz, Andy Sweeney, a number one through eight. Uh, let's,
1: man. I, I guess let's do caller number three. Is that okay? Caller number three. Is that all good? Sure. Okay. Let's Greg. do that. Greg, what's happening? Good morning, Greg. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Fantastic, Greg. As KB would ask good you, list. where are you calling
4: from today? Uh, I'm currently in Fishers, heading to an appointment, so I kind of am all over the place every day.
2: Nice, Greg. Well, wh- where's residence? Is it Fishers, or you said you're all over the place?
4: Oh, uh, KB, no. I am uh, a faithful Wayne Township resident. Oh, I know um, Greg. Hey, Greg. You know me. Yeah. yeah. We've talked before. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Who do the, is it Ben
2: Davis-Brownsburg Friday night? That, that That's a big
4: one, ben right? Davis, Brownsburg. Ben Davis-Brownsburg. Ben Davis-Brownsburg Friday night for a sectional. Nothing like... Uh you know, just going ahead and getting the tough one out of the way first. right? I was
2: right? going to say, the whole seeding of sectionals, I think that's one of the games that people look at and think, ah, should you seed it at all? By the way, speaking of Fishers, Greg, uh, there's a little birdie out there that told me a possibly an arena football league team to the Fishers area could be on the horizon. Were you a Firebirds guy at all, Greg, back uh, in the day?
4: Yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, funny. It's uh, so Adrian McPherson, one of the first players I ever coached against in high school uh, down in Florida. Wow, uh, for, uh, you know, former Firebird quarterback. Yeah. Hmm. Do Do you remember him, Andy? All
2: eight. He- Adrian McPherson, he was an outstanding college player.
4: Yeah, no, I,
1: I remember the name, absolutely. I was, that's why I kind of perked up. I just, I've... <laughs> the, the Louisville had the Louisville Fire like 15 years ago. So they had an arena team? Yeah, Will uh-huh. Wolford had money in it. Really? Yeah,
2: if you remember, I think yeah. he had a
1: lot of money in it.
2: Those have kind of come and gone. No offense. Uh, the Firebirds, I, I felt like, Scotty, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, I felt like they had a nice run here. Touchdown, Eddie Brown, the father of Antonio okay. Brown, okay. Yeah. was their star. Raymond Filial was their quarterback. I Yeah, I was it. <laughs> Enjoy going to the games it was a it was a fun time um all right greg congrats on the gift card uh, that'll be coming your way no matter what it's a baseball centric uh, pop quiz by the way how's your son doing
4: doing well he uh, gets to call his first game november the 11th at, uh, at, indiana, at indiana state i think he's doing color
2: okay and this would be a uh, men's basketball game
4: uh, this will be football. Football, nice. There's nice, nice, for, nice. Preparing for basketball. He's he's more of a. He he, uh, he called all Ben Davis's games last year for for basketball on that historic run, and uh, so he's in. He, you know he's excited about getting towards uh, basketball at Indiana State, but he's going to call a football games um, on the 11th. I love it. Yesterday.
2: I love it. Good yeah. luck to him. That's for awesome. Sure. Yeah, uh, for sure. All right, uh, Andy, go ahead and throw number one at Greg.
1: All right, Greg, let's go. Question number one. The Phillies and Diamondbacks face off in Game 7 of the NLCS tonight in Philly. The D-backs have have been a franchise since 1998 and have played in one Game 7 in their history. You remember it. They beat the Yankees in Game 7 of that 2001 World Series. The Phillies have been around since 1883, Greg, okay? How many times have the Phillies been involved in a Game 7 of a
4: playoff
2: series. Yeah, that would be zero in their 141 year history. Okay. Wow. I that like was the, a Dakembe Matumbo I Waggon. I, I like Scotty this, I like this start. Okay. Nice. The 2023 ALCS Greg marks just the second time in MLB history that the road team in a playoff series won every game. Name the other team that won every road game and lost every home game in winning an MLB playoff series. A, the Nationals, B, the Twins, C, the Red Sox, or D, the Astros?
4: Um, go with the Red Sox.
2: This team beat the Astros, right, in that series? I believe they did.
4: You said Red Sox, Greg? Yeah, so, so the choices were again? Sorry. Uh,
2: yeah, they were Nationals, Twins, Red Sox, or Astros. I guess the Astros couldn't beat themselves.
4: So so it must have
2: been the Twins. All right, question number three, Greg.
1: The Texas Rangers are American League champions after beating the Astros last night. Rangers manager Bruce Bochy takes his third different team to the World Series. He won three World Series titles as the manager of the Giants. Name the other team Bochy managed in the World Series. Was it the Marlins, the Diamondbacks, the Astros, or the Padres?
4: Bruce Bochy, the I think he was the Diamondbacks manager. You sure? You don't sound I'm confident. I, no, I'm not confident at all. Maybe um,
2: I did not know he not managed. Good. I had forgotten that he managed this team.
4: That's I guess uh, I see. I think of like Jack McCohen and all those guys, like the Marlins, and then like I don't. I didn't think Bochi was the Marlins manager. Um, I. I I don't know. I'm, I'm disappointed in myself right now with baseball. I'm, I'm a big baseball guy. Uh, I'll,
2: I'll take the Padres. Look at that. Okay. Show your work and you eventually get there, Greg. He acknowledged disappointment and the reward was at the end of the tunnel there. All right, number four, Greg. The Rangers moved to Arlington, Texas for the 1972 season. Where was the franchise located originally? Is it Kansas City, Seattle, D.C., or Milwaukee?
4: Oh, man. God, he's going off today, man. These are tough. I know. Um, I'm glad you at least like baseball
2: or else we'd be screwed.
4: I know. Uh, uh, Chico's bail bonds. uh, Back-to-back fantasy baseball champions this year. (laughs) It's okay. Um, (laughs) Kansas City. Not right, but I'll take Kansas City. <laughs> I love it. It's not right, but I'll take Kansas City. We're living and dying, Greg's emotion right now. Three Texas Ranger. <laughs> Go ahead, Greg. Sorry, I said it's like a Friday. It's kind of like a freebie. I already won. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Got a gift the gift card. Emotions, right?
1: All right, last one, Greg. Three Texas Ranger managers have been named AL Manager of the Year. Who among the following did not win AL Manager of the Year while with the Rangers? Was it Johnny Oates, Ron Washington, Jeff Banister, or Buck Showalter?
4: I think Buck and, and Washington both won it, so go with uh, go with Bannister.
2: Greg, any idea where Mark Zachary is going to play collegiately? I saw that <laughs> Notre Dame's on him, and I and I would love to see him go to Notre Dame.
4: I just actually, I so I just had to go to the athletic office this morning because I'm the I'm actually the bowling coach at Ben Davis as well. Let's go. And so I had to do a little a little bit of work and mark walked into the, the, uh, the athletic office this morning so I said hello
3: oh uh, nice I
4: don't I I, I don't I, I would love to see him at Notre Dame as well I know he's a huge Ohio State guy and but I mean how cool is it for him at least just to be able to have that blank check and and just kind of pick where you want to go right yeah like, he's a phenomenal athlete and honestly like I, I think his basketball <laughs> um, uh, his basketball you know um uh, talent is is just as good as
2: the I was gonna talent. say Greg Gregshon and I've had the conversation before there's so much kind of David Bell vibes to his high school career based off what David oh, Bell right. did on the hardwood and on, on the gridiron grid. and we'll see if Mark yeah, Zachary a can great
4: kid to like a fantastic kid
2: Love hearing that. Again, Ben Davis Brownsburg Friday night. That comes up probably the marquee matchup here as the big classes get underway with the playoffs. Um, all right, Greg, certainly stay on the line. I think you kinda knew where this one was going, although he did get some right. He got uh, what, two or three right? Uh he got what one three one and three? Yeah, I think that's yeah! it. Yeah. Philly's never been involved in game seven. Padres, the other team that Bochi managed in the World Series. I had kind of forgotten. That one, uh, but two, four, and five. Andy Swinney, those are the ones he slipped up on.
1: Yeah, on uh, number two, uh, is Washington Nationals, uh, the other team that won every road game and lost every home game in winning an MLB playoff series. That was the Nationals, that was in 2019. That's the World Series over the Astros. So, I guess the Astros are a team that this is it happens to them. They have a beautiful stadium, by the way. It's a beautiful stadium. It's fantastic. Uh, what number four? The Rangers moved to Arlington in 1972. Where was the franchise located originally? That was Washington D.C. And uh, which of the following? Uh, let's see. What Rangers managers did not win AL Manager of the Year? You have to think about this. It's always like the best coach, right? Ron, Ron Washington. You right? blew Yet to be underrated. You have to be underrated and, and win more than your Vegas total to win manager of the year. It's never the guy that's got a good team. Yeah, the old coach the of the year debate, it.
2: it's like, you know, does Chris Collins at Northwestern win it because they overachieved or should Matt Painter win it because they had a good team it, exactly. and they were really good?
1: Exactly. That's what it always is.
2: Okay, thank you to 459 Barber Lounge. We're giving out $100 gift cards all week long on the pop quiz. Greg takes home our first one for that. All right, we'll do it one final time here to round it out.
1: Yeah, we got you for the next 10 minutes. Query and Company coming your way at noon. JMV coming your way at 3 o'clock. We have Trackside tonight at 7 and then NLCS Game 7. We'll join that baby in progress at 9 o'clock. Busy day, busy night on The Fan. Reminder, take us anywhere in the world. 1075thefan.com. We get done here. What do you got cooking the rest of the day? I had to do my power rankings for the website. I had to to wait because I didn't know what was going to happen last night. I mean, the Niners. Lose last night the Vikings couple in a row they're three and four like everybody else in the NFL <laughs> so the Eagles are they at top of
2: your power rankings
1: uh, I think you got to go Eagles uh, or oh goodness I already started already started the process out to go back but yeah Eagles are probably going to be up there at number one Chiefs sickens me Chiefs or Eagles yeah one or two probably one two I tell you it's just you know the Chiefs just haven't even played their best football and they're in their six and one and. <laughs> Ho <laughs> hum. Like, how are they not back in the Super Bowl,
2: honestly? Ho oh, hum. Uh, I've got, I assume, a quiet Tuesday. You know, Tuesday is a one day um, where you don't hear from Shane Sykin. Yeah, you don't go off. to the Colts facility. Coordinators will meet the media coming up a little bit after lunch. Again, we'll see about Juju Brent's. You know, it sounded like he was going to miss some time. You know, how long is that going to be? You know, unfortunately, Andy, you know, he had the two injuries, recovering from the wrist injury. Uh, missed the whole spring offseason program, then battled the hamstring injury during training camp and a little bit into the preseason as well. And now he's got this quad issue. And you know it didn't look great when he left the field. It didn't look great when Eric Johnson left the field, defensive tackle. That was I know a lot of people at that point had already thrown the remote across the room. That was the final play of the game. That was the fourth and goal. Uh, on on that one there, I think it was maybe the two point conversion, uh, but that's a notable one with Grover Stewart out for the next five games. Johnson played the most snaps of anybody filling in for Grover there. Um, so we'll see if the Colts have any roster moves here on this Tuesday.
1: Did you see Jonathan Taylor tweeted out? What was it? Was it yesterday? He got drug tested. Yeah, I, <laughs> he's good. like back in the yeah. end zone. I got drug tested now. I, I asked this only. What was the show that the Rock did? Was it Ballers? Remember that show? Do you remember that show? Yeah. It was a ballers. It was it was popular. Was that on ESPN? No. Yeah. no. What, what no, am I thinking of? The, the ESPN no, show. No, you're thinking. Okay, so that one was more than a decade ago. Yeah. What was that they, one called? The NFL shut that down. Was because, it called Ballers? No, it, no, it was called Playmakers. It was called Playmakers. Playmakers that's that's what it. Was. It was close enough. But but uh, where was I going with? The, oh, the ballers. Like to do the drug test, they watch you. They watch you urinate into whatever, the cup or whatever. Do they do that with Jonathan Taylor? Um, Or do they let him go into a bathroom? I'm asking because I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question.
3: I, I... I don't know. I, I guess I haven't really thought too much about that. I, I always just think of Ontario Smith when I think about drug. Right, yeah, we talked about the Wizenator. Which, so. which last week that came up when you were gone, Mark. When we had somehow. the Grover Stewart storyline there, I prayed it into the
2: show. Zaire yeah, Franklin, remember he got drug tested after the 18 tackle game. Jonathan Taylor yeah. gets drug tested, not yeah. after the you know six carry debut or seven carry debut. He gets drug tested after he looked after like Jonathan the, Taylor. The, yeah, I am curious ahead to, to Sunday. You know is. Is he now the bell cow? Yes. You know, we didn't see that fully on Sunday. We obviously saw um, a heavy workload for him, but it was still kind of a 50-50 split. But it does seem like you're trending in the direction where your $42 million running back is going to be the lead, lead guy. And then, you know, the domino effect of that, Andy. If Zach Moss is all of a sudden relegated to number 2 duty and... You don't have plans to re-sign Zach Moss as he's a free agent. I would think you probably don't, right? I mean, you've already invested quite a lot into Taylor. Do you look to move Zach Moss in the next week? I I think that's a very real question. I mean, look at Cleveland. They're in scramble mode at running back right now. Jerome Ford got hurt. Um, You know, Do you find teams like that that might have some interest, a la what happened last season with Naheem Hines for Zach Moss? You know, is that something you would look into at all?
1: Like I know Chris Ballard, I mean the next time we'll hear from him will be after the season, I would imagine, draft prep. You you get into all of that. And I know him speaking before the season was so valuable because you A, you want to hear from him, and B, it was in the midst of all of the Jonathan Taylor stuff, right? So when Chris Ballard went up there and met with the media for thirty minutes, and you know, ninety five percent of the questions were involved around now and the future of the team, but Jonathan Taylor, I understood it. After the trade deadline is the other time that I wish we could hear from Chris Ballard on the yeah. way, just on what they're thinking about a list of guys, especially if they're three and five, if they're four and four, how big of a deal uh, is that? You mentioned Zach Moss. Okay, if Anthony Richardson were healthy, would you would you consider then Gardner Minshew? And I know they want to answer some of these questions, but uh, it, it is interesting because they have a list of guys that probably are not back on the team that next year, but absolutely have value to me. You Can't move Moss just because of running backs get injured. Jonathan Taylor gets injured. Zach Moss can go in there and you know can catch the ball, carry the ball. He can touch the ball twenty-five times, and you feel pretty good with him. You
2: know, I I do think Chris Boward speaks to the media a little bit more than most GMs in the league. So certainly credit to him for that. Credit to the Colts for that. I I, there's part of me that wish he would have spoken after the Taylor extension. You know that was such a drama-filled storyline that I felt like it. Could have deserved more than just a quote in the press release. Right. You know, Ballard himself said the relationship needed to be repaired. And I'm a little bummed. You brought up Colts Roundtable Live with Joe Wrights and Rick Venturi. It's always a great listen with Matt Taylor every Monday. You know, Ballard used to go on that. In a somewhat quarterly basis, he has he dialed that way back. I don't even think he goes on it anymore here recently. And that's one of those is like, well, you know, all of a sudden some adversity starts to hit and now you're not making the appearances on the team radio show that you used to do. Um, again, Ballard goes on or does media appearances much more than most GMs. But that is an avenue that, uh, because I do appreciate his candor. and all honesty, I just, I, I enjoy the transparency. I think it's great for us. I think it's great for the fan base as well. I don't think he spoke after the Naheem Hines trade last year. So even if they mm-hmm. did something in the next right. week, Andy. Oh, I don't expect I, it at I, all. I wouldn't expect it uh, here. Again, the trade deadline a week from Tuesday. For those that missed it yesterday, Tennessee trading away Kevin Byard there. All pro safety. He is 30 years old to the Eagles in return. It was a fifth, a sixth rounder. And then Terrell Edmonds, a young safety for Philly. Um, obviously not at the level of Kevin Byard, but that is just a scream of a win. Now we have a new GM and we're selling move. Win now by the Eagles, of course, always. And then the Titans, yeah, we're in a little bit more of a sell mode with the new GM. Howie Roseman's always doing that.
1: We're down the last 20-30 seconds or so. Do you think you think the Titans tearing it down has to say anything? Do you think Rabel's going to be there? You think Vrabel's going to be there? Does Vrabel take over for Belichick? Well, that's that would be the that would be the next question. Does he do that? Is Denico
3: Autry available?
2: Duh, we'll get him back. I, I mean, he, he might be a name. Uh, Ryan Day gets shelled by Michigan, and they fire him. And Mike Vrabel goes to Iowa State. Okay. No, I think Vrabel's there. Where's Harbaugh going then? I think Vrabel's there. We got to get into that Harbaugh. I love cheating in college football. I love oh, it's it. It's great. It's a backbone of the sport. Rick Carlisle on the podcast.
1: We'll talk to you tomorrow.